Pokémon. for discounts they're like are you a are you a whatever whatever an essential worker i'm like yes ma'am i am yes ma'am I you ho- say ma'am i've host- <laughs> hosted yes, two horror trivia nights in boise idaho you have to do it like in a really weirdly quiet voice yes ma'am i am yes, like ma'am. all serious yes yes ma'am i am yes ma'am i am and well, i just look, I look note, down like i've seen some shit right Ooh, because and then you have a boner <gasps> on that Ooh. note because boners and halloween Welcome, everyone, to your favorite podcast. Anyways, how's your sex life? We are your slutty hosts. I'm Channa. And I'm Corey. And guess what, everybody? <laughs> was the we're fucking time. back. <laughs> yeah, Corey. We're fucking and I'm back. Corey. <laughs> and I'm motherfucking Corey. <laughs> <laughs> and me, I'm Channa and Zoe Deschanel. And I'm Corey. <laughs> tell me that you're queer without telling me you're queer. Just listen great. to our podcast. Right. Well, everybody. It's been quite the year. We have not talked to you guys in a year now. It's been, I think, almost exactly a year. Yeah, uh, it's yeah. We're like two weeks short of a year. Yeah, and we missed you guys. We did not forget you guys. We did not. Even even though there are rumors, Corey and I did not stop being friends. Wait, there are rumors. No, I don't know, but I'm assuming there are. I'm assuming at least one person has thought that maybe they stopped being friends. Oh. To be fair, we haven't posted any pictures together on social media really except during the no, my we did birthday when, when you visited no when you visited too uh, that's yeah. like the only picture i've posted this entire summer other than in midsummer hawaii oh i guess did I you pictured, not post no i picked yeah i posted you when you visited and then i posted midsummer your birthday party and then i posted hawaii there's like the only three posts i have for the entire summer i'm just really nice. bad at social media mine is the one where we accidentally crashed a trump party but we'll get into yes that later. i love that so it's been quite the year, but we missed you guys, but we did not forget you guys. So we have decided that we are back, bitches. Yes, ma'am. Ow, ow. We are hotter than ever, more badass than ever, drunker than ever, and we're here to make things spooky. Yes, ma'am. I say yes, ma'am a lot now, too. That developed and now we're gone. <laughs> That's like half of what I say now. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of saying like "oh shit" and "fuck" during your sequences when it gets like really yes, intense, ma'am. I'm like "yes, ma'am." <laughs> <laughs> yes, ma'am. I'm that's like, my okay. catchphrase now. <laughs> that's that's Corey's catchphrase. So take a shot every time Corey says "yes, ma'am." Oh God. <laughs> so welcome, welcome back, everybody. We hope you guys have had a great year. Um, quick summary uh, of our year: uh, Jordan and I broke up. <laughs> I am now single. <laughs> oh, I have. <laughs> It's been quite the year. Uh, yeah, Jordan and I broke up. I had a hot girl summer. I learned how to rollerblade like everybody else. I got into pole and aerial hammock and aerial hoop, and I Hell moved. Yeah. So and with Simone and S'mores, obviously, I did not leave them behind. Um, Corey and I saw each other a bunch this past summer. We It was great. Yeah, we and, went to Hawaii. Oh, I'm blonde now, and I have bangs and piercings. Ooh, so, you have 70s bangs. What are they called? I have, I have like a 70s shag cut going shag on, like cut. a punk rocker yeah. shag, ca- shag cut. 
Yeah, I got it back in April, you know, breakup hair. And yes, less of an alcoholic, but you know, I still, I microdose now. Ooh, that's fun. Ooh, I'm on antidepressants you, too, everybody. Do you frequently are microdose? Well, I do probably like once every couple weeks. I want to start doing like a once a week nice. thing. Nice. Yeah, same. Then I just want to have fun. So <laughs> I'm like, I should do more. But yeah, it's been quite the year. Okay, Cora, your turn for the summary. My turn, my summary. Okay, so moved to Boise, got settled in Boise, uh, hung out with a couple of people. Um, I'm really good friends with a guy named Ben. Hey, Ben, he's listening to this. Um, and we just like run around and like watch horror movies all the fucking time and do fun shit. What else? Um, I didn't take up like new hobbies. I just like really deep dived into horror and I'm just like really getting into horror. Um, had plans that fell through with my life. So I'm just like (laughs) way in limbo, but we're having fun. We're here. We're (laughs) queer. We're drinking. So we're Oh, Mark. Oh, instead of champagne, margaritas is my thing. So that, so Chana took up like actual hobbies and I just switched my favorite drink (laughs) and (laughs) And, dug more into my old hobbies. (laughs) (laughs) But that's, we both glowed up in our own way, Corey. Oh, well, and I host horror trivia nights. So that, that's fucking awesome. And you do. And now we're doing our podcast again. So on that note, I'm going to pour more wine. I'm not peeing or am I? Ooh. do you call your pee wine? Mm, that's but, what happened to me this past year. Okay, well so let's going, get in. Let's get into our. <laughs> oh well, well let's let's like explain what's going on. Okay. Hey everybody, this is hey. season two of Anyways Other Sex Life. Season. Season two. Oh oh. So each season is not going to have eighty three episodes. Each season is going to have. We're like surprise, everybody. Or will it? Or will it? We'll let you know. Um, each season is going to have 9 to 13 episodes. We have not decided yet. We'll let yeah. you know. Um, and the purpose of us doing seasons is, one, we'll be taking a month break in between each season so we don't experience the burnout like we did last year. Yes, ma'am. And two, each season gives us a chance to explore either a new format, something like new and funky, maybe like in corporate, something like um, Sorry, s'mores. I was like making a face at s'mores. She's so cute. Yeah. Her, she just whipped my face with her yeah, tail. She, she jumped. <laughs> she <laughs> she like tried to jump up on that pillow like four times. It was so cute. <laughs> she's really bad at jumping. No one's taught her. And I tried teaching her. Oh, s'mores. There you go, baby. Anyways, the new seasons will be fun. It's just going to be a fun little experiment for us. And we're very excited for it. So this is um, epi- This is still episode 84, but of season two. Awesome. And- yeah. Um, and yeah, basically, um, this time we have switched up the format just a little bit differently. Um, Chana is no longer doing spooky scoops. Oh, thank God. Oh, my <laughs> God. Like, fuck those motherfucking spooky scoops. That was like the number one reason why I wanted to stop the podcast. <laughs> no. I fucking hated this. Our, our number oh, one reason no, the was number because, one reason. y'all, like literally, we, we said it, we alluded to it like a little bit right before we just, you know, went dark. Oh, man, um, I'm triggered. Like the last three episodes that we sent to y'all, we recorded two or three times each because my computer was just like crashing. We found out the problem was mostly a USB port like connection problem. But we y'all like we literally every one of those episodes we recorded at least twice. And the last one we recorded three times. So our morale was just like crazy low. Just it was to- it was so fucking ridiculous. And to make it worse. You guys don't know this, but we actually recorded two or three additional episodes to finish out October of last year. But when Corey, we recorded them all in one night. Oh my God. And then when Corey looked at the audio, (laughs) 
It was so <laughs> fucked up in a way that it's never been fucked up before. He messaged me and I was like, oh I cannot re-record three we're done. episodes. I forget. Wait, we're not doing season two. I'm done. I totally <laughs> I'm re-triggered. <laughs> I so anyways, totally forgot. <laughs> so I guess that's a great segue into that's the reason why we went dark. Tons of audio issues. Yeah. I was going through a very slow-mo breakup. Corey moved. We were both depressed. Yeah, was I was focusing more on my writing, and so I was like, I don't know if I can like keep your recording and doing all this. But we're back. And uh, for the new format, Corey, you want to explain? Oh, yeah. So new format is going to be a little bit uh, flipped around, but not super different. So Chana's going to start us off with a tarot time. Yes, thank God. And then after she does a tarot time, I'm going to do my faggot facts like as usual. Um, and faggot facts are just going to be like more spread out to, or like um, be more broad than they've even been before. So it's just going to be anything really that I want to do because one, I'll try and do shit about faggots. And then two, I'll just try and do shit. And if I do shit, I'm a faggot. So that's still faggot fact. Oh my God. It's going to be, you're like, this is how the Phillips screwdriver was created. <laughs> Cause I'm gay. I'm like, We're like, okay. I'm going to go through the last hundred years of the Green Bay Packers. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. The most anti-gay thing you could possibly think right. of. Right. Were the Green Today, Bay Packers, have they been around for a hundred years? Has football been? What? I don't even care. Don't even, I barely don't know message what year us that answer. I like I barely understand that it's October. So right. <laughs> like where the fuck was September? Someone tell me. Oh God. Yeah. We got home from Hawaii. Now it's October. That's fine. Yeah. Now it's October. Um. Yeah. So she's going to do tarot time. Then I'm going to do faggot fact. Um, we're gonna try, yeah, and then like <laughs> the right after corner. that, Chana is gonna do her segment, and then I'll Ooh. finish off with my segment now. So that'll be a little bit different than it's been before. We're back to having both of our segments in one episode, just because it feels like more of a party. Yeah, um, and we're and drinking. So yeah, and we're drinking, and so like for the episodes, we're just gonna try and keep it like a little bit more uh, brief. And I mean, like, oh my god, we're gonna try. <laughs> you say that we're at seventeen minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> Yeah, so, like, you that's behind the scenes. Y'all don't even know that shit. But, yeah, that we're just going to, like, Ooh. it's going to be tarot time. Then it's going to be faggot fact. Then it's going to be Chana segment. And then it's going to be mm. Corey segment. And we're still doing, like, Chana does true crime. I do supernatural. There I'm we like, go. actually, I'm doing pop culture. And Corey is doing <laughs> romantic comedy Romance, trivia. So, specifically <laughs> so. romantic comedies from the 2000s. Yeah, from the 2000s. <laughs> God. We should now create a second podcast where it's that and I bet you it will get more popular than this podcast. You're like, Holy shit, don't that makes like, me cry. You're like, this is about uh ten things no ten things about I hate about you. Was that that's, in the 2000s? That's the nineties. That's the nineties. It's okay, what's like you know how Matthew McConaughey was like an okay, we're not talking about rom coms. This is a yeah, queer fuck, horror. Fuck podcast. off rom coms. We're done. Um Jesus, s'mores. S'mores yeah, so to that's what we're doing. So Chana just like jumping into your fucking tarot time. <clears throat> All right, everybody. Oh, explain this... to us what your tarot time is. Tarot time is this. Mm, ASMR. So tarot time is basically I'm just going to shuffle some cards. Corey and I are going to chat while we do that. And then Corey's going to be like, stop. I'll go, oh. And then I'll reshuffle the cards. And then I'm going to pull a card. <laughs> wow. I'm going to re-explain I... tarot time. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. Remember when I said we were going to be brief? Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm Tarot time. You know that SpongeBob episode where he spends, like, six hours writing the word the? You, you go into, like, a 20-minute background on what tarot is. <laughs> on what shuffling is. 
<laughs> the history of shuffling. The art of the history. The, the, <laughs> the history art. of the art of shuffling. <laughs> the history of the art of Las Vegas shufflers. Like, oh it's God. that specific. Okay. Tarot time. I am basically going to pull one card that we are going to either focus on during the podcast, either you focus on during your day to day. It's just a card that's needed for all of us. If it's the devil or tower, I'm sorry. So that being said, <laughs> sorry, but I'm we go needed ahead. it. <laughs> <laughs> Corey, we fucking needed it, you stupid bitch. I'm gonna go ahead and start shuffling. First, I need to move my cup of wine, or I'm yes. Gonna... So I have a question, Tana. Are you Answer. going to shuffle once right now and use that continuously, or shuffle every time? Well, Corey, that's a great question since I actually have the explanation of what shuffling is. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I am going to shuffle until Corey tells me to stop. Oh no, no, I meant like for every episode, are you going to reshuffle the whole deck? Oh yeah, 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 okay, every cool, episode. Cool, cool, cool. Sorry, yeah. that was not a troll question, even though it might have sounded like it. <laughs> okay, I'm now going to knock on the deck three times because you know, bad, bad vibes. Yes. The demon's like, yes. <laughs> I'm like, fuck my new apartment. And now I am shuffling. Corey, tell me when you want me to stop. But okay. you know, give it at least one minute because I just shuffled. <laughs> the like qu- quiet shuffling. So you should fast forward this audio. It's like <laughs> like the most okay, intense stop. Mario. Okay. I'm gonna now divide it into three piles. You have Ooh. A, B, and C. A is on the left, B in the middle, C is on the right. I Tell want, me how to put it back together. Give me a B, please. I got the B. Where does the B go? Oh, the B goes on the bottom. Duh. Okay. Where does the A and the C go? <laughs> the C goes on the top. Ooh, and the ass in the middle. Yeah. Ooh. ooh. Drum roll, Corey, for the card. Yeah. Two of Wands. <gasps> what is this, Chana? I don't know, Corey. Let me look at my book of Whoa. <gasps> Whoa. I just opened up my book directly to Two of Wands. That has Shit, never happened that's cool. before. That's like a super sign. Alright. Two of Wands. It keywords determination and direction. With a two of wands, it's clear you're on your way to success. You oh focused God. in on a goal and have boldly pointed all efforts in that direction. Since that suit of uh, since the suit of wands deals heavily with the mind, take this time to become aware of your thought patterns, specifically towards yourself. What is the quality and tone of your thoughts? Sexual, mostly positive or negative. Negative. Uh, how well cool. do you treat yourself on the journey to your highest dreams? Ooh, I love that. How well do you treat yourself on the journey to your highest dreams? That is cute. How well do you treat? That's a good. Yeah, that's a good sentence. I like that. I like that. You know what's funny is today I did acupuncture for the first time, Whoa. and she essentially said this card to me, where she uh, she told me to think about the way that I think about myself and the thoughts yeah. that I I think like my day to day, and just kind of give my body and give myself a break because however you think yourself, like how you think about yourself now is how you're gonna achieve your dreams. And I was like, whoa, and that's funny that I just read this right now. So yeah, so you're on your way to success, but just think about the way that you are. Thinking about yourself, try to be positive. Yeah, and focus on give your mind and some how break. you think. Yeah, and that's good. You know, we're not perfect, and that is tarot time. Yay, tarot time! Time for Corey's corner slash okay. faggot fact. So this is for my faggot fact. So my faggot fact today is uh, pairs up with my episode or with like with my um, supernatural segment. So um, today for my faggot fact, I'm talking about the director James Whale. Okay. Mm. 
So, James Whale was born in Dudley, Worcestershire. There we go. <laughs> Worcestershire, but I think you just came Worcestershire, you know, from the, the from, sauce. because it's England shit. Yeah, the sauce. Um, so he, uh, which is, and that place is like basically like two and a half hours north of, northwest of London for everybody London. who can just like, you know, think of the UK. So to our London listeners <clears throat> out there. Yeah. So hey, yeah, which we do have some listeners out there. So like, hey, what's up, bitch? Or well, we did. I don't know. We did. <laughs> <laughs> hey, actually, yeah. Shout out to like our, like the 15 people who have reached out to us in the past year. Yeah. Y'all thank you homies. so much. Like, thank y'all so much. Y'all are homies. Uh, we're sorry to like have disappeared when we were needed most like the Avatar, but it, you know, we're going to come back like the Avatar and fucking change your world. So I was about to say, but we're not the Avatar, but plot twist, we are, we are, plot we're the Avatar. Twist, we fucking are. We fucking we're are. We're the twin, we're twin Avatars. Yeah. We made you guys believe because we're so mean. We're like, we're going to abandon you guys. And now we're back probably Ooh. at an inconvenient moment. Shanna, we're if, we're, if we're twin Avatars. I'm um, bottom. No, you're bottom. Let's get real. I'm top. I'm bottom. <laughs> you're fucking no, bottom. What, I'm the what, top. What two? Because we'll be each one half of the avatar. What two elements will you be master over? Uh, water, because I want a blood bend. Okay. I, I killed myself. I killed myself because you were the twin that was over the water. <laughs> so I killed myself. Well, you asked me like, first. Oh, I know. Okay. <laughs> I feel like I would be. Um... You can be water. It's okay. No, you be water because you actually make more sense as a water. Uh-huh. Um, I, I probably, you're a fire if you don't have food, Corey. Uh, so you're like a confusing combo. We switch when I'm, when I'm, when I'm hangry, I'm fire. Like, That's not even like your other element though. That's just like you somehow switch to it. I can only control fire. Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm not earth though. I feel like you're more earth than me for sure. I am not, I am not earth at all. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying is like you're more earth than me, and that's okay. Saying okay, we're Ooh, both valid. Not earth. Okay, true, valid. Yeah, because you're definitely wait, more wait, grounded than. But I what am. if we're like, wait, we're t- they're like, hey, you can't control Earth, your your avatar, and we're like, well, we're not an avatar, we're twin avatars, so we share water. Okay, we share all the elements. Okay. <laughs> At full power. Deal. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> that works Done. for me. Done. But specifically, blood bending. <laughs> but we like, n- <laughs> yes, specifically blood bending to my dick and everyone's dick. Yeah, one hundred percent. Okay. Anyways, yeah. go on with your. Anyways, sorry. So we're talking about James Whale. Back to James Whale. <laughs> so, so he's born. Related. Yeah, he's born like two and a half hours northwest of London in night or sorry nineteen lol eighteen eight eighteen eighty nine. Okay. In the eighties. So he discovered his artistic talent when he was like he put him th- himself through an art school um, by selling spare nails that he acquired from his job as a cobbler. So he's like a you know a bomb ass bitch just like going to school and then going through art school by like paying th- through art college from spare nails. So, you know, fuck millennials, I guess, because we can't do that. <laughs> it's fine. So it's because of avocado toast that we buy. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Specifically because of our avocado toast. So world war one comes by, he enlists in the British army. He becomes an officer. He then is in, he's in um, world war one. He gets uh, captured by some Germans. He gets put in a POW camp in August of 1917. Mm. And he's there from 19, August 1917 to December of 1918. But this is like World War One POW camps. So they're like uh, relatively bold, underlined. That's the key word. Relatively respectful. I, I mean, you're not just like treated like utter shit. There's like still some respect in being a prisoner of war and being a, a military in the military or whatever. Um, so while in prison, he became actively involved as an actor, writer, producer, and set designer 
set designer of amateur theatrical productions that took place in the camp. So they could go. (laughs) So yeah. So he could throw it like, you know, like this is POW in World War One. So like they had some stuff that they could do. So he's in it and he like in quotes said he found it a source of great pleasure and amusement as he was doing this and realized basically his talents. Um, that he's in gay. the POW camp that he's gay. <laughs> he's like, am I gay? <laughs> am I gay? He, he like does one theatrical piece. Is this gay? It's like that meme, the butterfly meme from like 10 years ago. Oh, like I fucking ago. love that. Well, meme, meme world, it's 10 years ago. It's fine. Yeah, but that so, was the best year of memes. Anyways, go on. I love that. That year of memes is bomb. Okay, anyways, so he gets out of the POW camp. He immediately goes back to England, becomes an actor, set designer, and director in trade. And just 10 years later, he um, finds a huge success in directing the play Journey's End. This sends him to Broadway in New York in the U.S. And this, that's oh, like his gay. ticket to the U.S. in 1928. <laughs> and then quickly thereafter, he takes uh, on the same success of Journey's End on directing that play. He goes to Hollywood, California. So with the transition from silent films to talkies in Hollywood, produ- and that, that's in the late 20s, Um, early 30s producers became like super duper interested in actors and directors that would work in Hollywood or sorry uh, that worked in plays in Broadway and so with James Whale's recent success in New York with that play it was a no-brainer for producers to be like bitch come over here and like you're gonna come fucking like do talkies for us do some fucking movies Mm. (laughs) can we just talk about for a moment how like dumb the name talkies is like, I love it. It's so I cute. I hate it. It's so it's 1930s. So I fucking love it. Like, oh, we're going to go see a talkie at the theater exactly. tonight. Johnny you Torino. Say that, you say it in that accent. I hate everybody because everyone in the 30s had this accent. Oh, my God. I was listening to a podcast randomly, and they literally said Johnny Torino. And I was like, Johnny Torino. Like, <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah. It like came out of my mouth like – like I like I couldn't I didn't even remember the Johnny Torino reference and then I was like Johnny Torino and like the dead silence of my car. <laughs> Your <laughs> the dead silence of your car. There isn't even a cat to look yeah. at. <laughs> Johnny Torino on traffic. If you don't understand this reference to Johnny Torino, go look back at season one, bitch. Yeah, Sift what episode all, could it tell yeah, you? That's the joke. Sift through all eighty four episodes, you'll find it. Something involving <laughs> before the Alcatraz episode. That's all we got. It's it's a pretty early episode. It's like one of the first 20 episodes, I would say, right? It's whatever. Yeah. That's fine. So anyways. I have no memory. <laughs> um, he goes to Hollywood in 1929, signs a contract with Paramount Pictures, and his first film, he's a he's the quote-unquote dialogue director of The, Lug, the Love Doctor from 1929. Ooh. So his contract it was just that one film, so he's looking around for shit. Um, but as he's doing this, it's around this time that he meets and falls in love with this guy by the name of David Lewis, who would remain his partner, his main partner for the next 23 years. Aww. So it's also really important and really cool to know that while while here over like the rest of his life that I'm going to tell you all about, Whale, James Whale was super honest and open and if like if not outspoken about his homosexuality um, he was super open that him and Lewis were together and it didn't really seem to hurt his reputation or his career. Really? And he had to keep it like, like for I'm sure officials and the police, he had to keep it like in the down low, but for people in his, in his circles, it didn't really matter. And, and like really a hundred percent truth be told in the twenties and the thirties, maybe the forties, but I'd say the twenties and the thirties, like Hollywood owned the entire t- like all of LA. <laughs> they did. Like literally owned everything. So, oh. yes. 
And if you want to hear more about that, go listen to Deathbed Confessions, <laughs> yes. episode one through three. It's so yes, good. Yes, really good. So good. Um, so over the next few years, he did various uh, directorial work um, and then finally y- landed a contract with Universal Pictures in 1931. So a part of the contract, he was allowed to pick any of their prop- properties that they already owned at the time to make a movie. He picked Frankenstein because he, quote, didn't want to make another war picture, end quote. <laughs> so he's Ooh, like, fuck shit. war pictures. I'm just going to do something cool. I'll take Frankenstein because y'all own the rights to that. Yeah. Um. So, and this is the Frankenstein, the 1931 Frankenstein that y'all know about. So shooting, okay, but listen to this. Shooting began on the 24th of August, wrapped on the 3rd. So like five weeks later. previews were held on October 29th and then there was a wide release on the 21st of November. Damn. So like that is fast. Yeah. Three weeks from shooting. Yeah. Cocaine. 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 (laughs) Cocaine. Hell of a drug. (laughs) Next. Moving on. (laughs) And Um, when it came out, Three months later, so that's pretty loud. When he came out three months later, it was an instant hit with both critics and audiences, and everyone fucking loved it, so hell yeah. Um, So over the next, like, from this time, 1931, um, his career basically spans from 1931 until about 1937, where it goes crazy downhill immediately. Um, Over this time, he makes uh, three other really good gothic horror picks and becomes, like, what he's known today as, like, the gothic horror like the grandfather of horror, basically. Um, He makes one in 1932 called The Old Dark House. It pretty much invented, if not reinvented, the subgenre of haunted house films for modern times. Um, There's a lot of queer subtext in this, as most of his horror films, if not all, all, I'd say all of his horror films have queer subtext in them. Um, Really fun fact about this film, it's really good. It was actually thought to be lost for a long time until some random dude just found it in Universal Vaults in, like, 1968. It's really cool. Whatever. We'll move on. <laughs> Anyways, so 1933, he makes The Invisible Man. It's also Ooh. a pretty good mit, uh, hit. Then in 1935, he makes what people consider his magnum opus, which is The Bride of Frankenstein. This is oh, really yeah. good. Frankenstein's a great film. It's really good. The Bride of Frankenstein, especially for queer people, is just so fucking good. You need to see it. Um he actually really pushed back to even make this film. He was trying to just not be pigeonholed as a horror director, as most really good horror directors are. Like John Carpenter is like a perfect example of that. Yeah. He didn't want to just be a horror uh, uh, director, but he's really fucking good at it. I feel also, like a lot of sorry. artists are that way. Like same with actors like Harrison Ford, for example, or like uh, Daniel Craig, like those type of actors. Just like artists, if they get known for a genre that they didn't yeah. particularly want to be known at they're like wait a minute like, i could do other things too just this yeah no totally yeah, it's kind agree. of like a jonah hill as well because like jonah hill is known as comedic actor but he can also do dramas so yeah no yeah totally same agree vibes. yeah that I, same vibes if you're just like yeah people just want you to be one thing but you're like no i'm a great person and we're like we get yeah. it but you're also really great at doing this <laughs> yeah right um so he also like really quickly before we get to the gay shit um, he oh. also makes this really interesting film called Dracula's Daughter, which was like his last horror film that he made. It basically uses vampirism as a metaphor mm. for being a lesbian. Ooh. It's literally Dracula's daughter. Like, Me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, since, <laughs> since Dracula's dying or whatever. And I've actually, I haven't seen this one. I need to get to it, but I just don't want to, you know, you don't want to bang through all the awesome ones at mm. once. You know, you have to Say like, it again. you have to like, you know, edge it out over the Ooh. years of your life. 
Chris has like a giant boner right now. He's even a Y. <laughs> we just said edging. <laughs> um, so yeah, it, it's basically about this girl that's like going around. It's Dracula's daughter and has a lot of interactions with other women. And it's Oof. just like really like having a ton of conversations about like trying to get rid of the vampirism and there might be a way that she can get rid of it. And it's a total, total metaphor for her being in love with the women around her. Cause she's like, if I can get rid of this and overcome it, I can have a normal life and be a normal person. So, you know, mm. it's just very, you know, one in one, like, you know, translation between those two. Okay. So, um, that happens in 1936. He's, he comes out with like five to 10 other films during that time. His last really big one was in 1937 where it was a war film that he failed on, like ironically enough. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And um, it was heavily edited against his wishes to appease Nazi Germany at the time because it was 1937. I don't know why, but like whatever. I, I didn't look into that because y'all don't need to know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he also you. had like, so when that super bombed, he had a lot of hard time finding um, work. Um, we also know that like from the 20s and into the 30s and like 1933 and 32, especially when the Hayes Code comes in. Yeah, so something's called the Hayes Hayes Code, if you don't know. It's where Hollywood made up their own rules to self-censor themselves. Basically, that was a reaction to their expectation that they would get federal censorship. And that was because, one, a lot of crazy stuff was happening in Hollywood with a lot of crime and sex scandals that was all over the papers and was really bad for them. And then, two, because they were showing racy stuff. So I, a lot of people speculate that, one, he bombed in 1937 on this film, and then, two, the censorship was heavily in place. So the censorship translated into, transitioned, or, like, seeped into real life, where they were like, okay, there's a lot of gays here. We need to get these fucking gays out because this is not okay. This is not the mm. nuclear, like, you know, straight, good Christian families that we want. And so a lot of people think, like, Basically, everyone was just waiting for him to bomb. And then they Mm. sort of jumped on the homophobia thing at the same time. However, this happened to a lot of actors, writers, and directors in the 20s and 30s. And even nowadays, just you bomb and you're like immediately out. Um, So so it's kind of an exaggeration to like point a finger at it just being the homophobia. I'm sure that had something to to do with it is the fact that he was open and out and gay. Yeah, but, but it's also the culture of also of just Hollywood. Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> it's just fucking you Hollywood. You bomb. You're not making money. <laughs> you it bomb by bitch. Movie. People are now only going to think of you with that shitty movie. Not like yeah. the 10 other good movies that you have. Like if you're like a straight white male with like writ and rich, like you'll probably have two or three chances. But if you're not that, you have one chance. <laughs> so let's get into his gay life. I, I mentioned that when he came to... Hollywood in 1929, I believe. Yes, 1929. Um, he met his like life partner that was his main partner throughout the years. Um, his name is David Lewis, just to remind y'all. Um, in 1951, Whale bought, uh, finally brought home to his home with Lewis a 25-year-old man named Paris. Um, Lewis immediately got mad, moves out. And he spent basically spent the rest of his life sort of on like not in Hollywood anymore since like the late 30s. He like kind of immediately just bounced out of, of Hollywood. He retired in 1941 officially. Mm. Um, so he was just living off his money doing other side jobs. Um, he was basically painting. He hosted pool parties. 
Um, he basically would uh, like you know if you watched Hollywood on Netflix, he would host Ugh. pool parties for like young men in Hollywood just to like Ooh, be shit. naked and around him all the time. Damn. Um, yeah. <laughs> in si- uh, at sixty six, he sh- suffered two strokes and left him extremely depressed and in pain. A year later, he committed suicide by drowning himself oh. in his Pacific Palisade swimming pool on the 29th of May of 1957. Oh, my God. The death was initially ruled an accident oh. and also was thought of to be a murder for a bit. However, oh. um, Lewis, his initial love, was still his close friend and kept Whale's suicide note a secret for the next 30 years until he died in the 80s. And this Whoa. is the note. This is the note that he left. Um, he said, "To all I love, do not grieve me. My nerves are all shot, and for the last year, I have been in agony day and night, except when I sleep with sleeping pills. And any peace I have by day is when I am drugged by pills. I have had a wonderful life, but it is over, and my nerves got worse, and I am afraid that they will have to take me away. So please forgive me, all those I love, and may God forgive me too." But I cannot bear the agony, and it is best for everyone this way. The future is just old age and illness and pain. Goodbye and thank you for all your love. I must have peace, and this is the only way, Jimmy. (laughs) Fuck. Isn't that so sad? Oh, my God. God. Um, So he... uh, Whale's body was cremated and buried, and then when uh, David Lewis died, his, his love... Um, he was also cremated and buried next to him. Um, and yeah, that's like the sort of sad ending to this. Uh, the only kind of like silver lining to that is that it really isn't only until like the last 10 years, last 20 years, um, especially with like uh, gay culture becoming popular and us going and then us ourselves, us queer people going back in time and raising these people into the spotlight. Has James Whale become recognized as a like horror auteur? Um, nice. He really like he did Frankenstein. He did Br- the Bride of Frankenstein, which is like literally still one of the best gothic horror movies ever. Literally, the Old Dark House is an awesome movie. Even though I haven't seen it, I know it's like a ton of people say it's awesome. And then he did The Invisible Man and Dracula's Daughter. Like all of those, he did in like five years. Like my goodness, hell yeah. So he and he did like 10, 15 other films than what I just numbered, but they aren't horror. Um, so yeah, um, just like a good thing to talk about him and to talk about him, especially during Halloween time, because we all folk, you know, it's just ingrained in our society, those basic, uh, not basic, but those just like classical horror movie monsters. You have Dracula, yeah, like you have Frankenstein. Yeah. This is the foundation of modern horror today. And he was like pivotal in creating that. So yeah, that's James Whale. There you go. Yay. Before I go into my true crime segment i just want to say one last note about your segment Corey. yeah um since we mentioned suicide i i heard this on a a podcast i listened to this past year and i thought what they did was really important and so we should do it if we ever do our podcast again and here we are um when we mentioned things that are triggering such as suicide and whatnot um at the end of the site or probably before we'll probably do a disclaimer we just need to record it um, but I just want to talk to you guys about the suicide hotline. Oh, good. Because I know suicide can be really triggering for a lot of us. So if you ever um, feel suicidal or know anyone that's suicidal, um, go ahead and call 800-273-8255. You can also chat um, with them on their official website. They're there to help y'all. Uh, we just want everybody to be okay. But I realize that that's a trigger, even just mentioning 
No, yeah, um, to talk suicide. about suicide. Yeah. So yeah, so definitely uh, keep that number because uh, you know we've all been there, and we're here for you guys, and we love you guys. Yeah. And that's all. Um, on that note. Yay, Bride of Frankenstein and Frankenstein. Fuck yeah. Happy Halloween. I know. Happy <laughs> Halloween. Yay. That was fun. That was a good a good Cory Corner faggot fact. Yeah, isn't that super fun? A Cory Corner. No, it's a faggot fact. I, I, I won't ever go off. I won't go crazy off topic and just say anything, but it'll, it'll always be related to queer people and or sex. Oh, my God. I'm so excited yeah. for you to go off topic. And then I'm only going to call it a Cory Corner the Literally. whole time. You're like, this is how vanilla ice cream is made. Take one quarter Specifically cup. Specifically vanilla. Yeah. You're like the opposite of gays. Vanilla ice cream. Right. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, on that note, I will do my tr- – it feels so weird to go first for my I segment. I know. Isn't so fun? Yeah. Let's talk about some motherfucking true crime. Yes, bitch. My tits are ready. Also, I just realized, do I sound congested to you? Do I sound a little, a little bit? Sick? Yes. Okay. I was sick for three and a half weeks or three weeks. <gasps> I was sick all last week. Yay. It was brutal. So I still am sick, believe it or not. So Ooh, I'm sorry, Trina. It's fine. I should have been on antibiotics, but my doctor was like, no. And I was like, I've been sick for 21 <laughs> days. He's like, no. I'm like, please give me something. He's like, no, no. that's going to be a couple hundred dollars. I'm like, okay. He's like, no, that'll Thank be $100. You. Would you like some, like, opiates? Yeah, and I was like, yes. And he's like, like, I'm just yes, kidding. Yes, but no. Yeah, he's like, I'm just kidding. You uh, just leave. Good luck. Here's some Dayquil. I'm like, thank you. Thank you, sir. <laughs> thank you, Anyways. sir. I'll send you $200 Uh-ahem. for telling me what I already know. Here we go. Are you ready, Corey? Are you ready yes. for this? Yes. Oh, my God. I didn't ask you about your – I'm so excited. I have no idea what you're going to say. Uh, All right. That's exciting. Ooh, I'm you're like, like, this is the story of Do you know of, of a Corey's person – <laughs> we're both going off <laughs> i was gonna say like you're like have you ever heard of a killer named ted bundy <laughs> <laughs> i go back to episode one i just re-cycle through all the notes i've already done you're I'm like, like you amityville guys don't horror yeah amityville horror which turns out was a total fl- is a total fluke that Such like destroyed my faith in demons and ghosts <laughs> it didn't destroy mine because of noob but it destroyed my it like my considerably pussy, shaked my belief in demons and ghosts it did it definitely it it, yeah. it definitely did for me with ed and lorraine okay anyways so <laughs> all the demons in my room now are just like rubbing their tits mm-hmm. yeah noob <laughs> is like currently coming on my face i'm like why am i sweaty it's not sweat maybe every time you sweat it's actually demon cum <gasps> that's kind of hot that's super <laughs> that's not kind of hot. hot that's hot that's hot as shit speaking of hot Fuck. i saw this fucking meme that <laughs> reminded me so sweat. much of Corey. <laughs> Where it's like gays every time they see uh, a villain, ooh his muscles, <laughs> <laughs> yes. like completely disregarding a killer. It's a killer. the horse. Yeah, the killer. Like you uh, know, Michael oh, Myers. Oh yeah, Jason. it's the it's the it's screenshot the from, from the Grinch. From the Grinch. Yeah, yeah. the girl from Mamma Mia and Elle yeah. What and the fuck's her name? We should know her name right now. Yeah, she's an icon. Everybody over the age of forty is just yelling at us right now. It's her name. Holy she's in fuck. She's in The Grinch and, most importantly, Mamma Mia. Y'all, I'm looking this up because we failed. We literally failed. Oh, my God. I searched The Grinch. It showed me the 2018 one that's, like, animated. Fuck. There's a 2018 animated Grinch? Don't even, just don't even look it up. Just don't even waste your time. What's a wait? Well, yeah. Go watch the Jim Carrey one like a normal person. Like a normie. S'mores. Oh, my God. What the fuck? Who messaged you, us? I don't even know. I don't even know. Yeah, yeah, we're pausing for 20 seconds to get this right. 
So I'd like to point out that even though I've had now three years to buy a new headset, because <laughs> I always complain about it. Oh my god! I still yeah, have not you had like purchased a, whole a headset. Straight ass year. <laughs> and now that I have ear piercings, it's like a thousand times worse. So I uh, am Christine so done. Christine Berinsky. Christine Berinsky. Sure. Yeah, whatever. That's like that's kind I'm of like done. an anticlimactic moment. Yeah, we'll we'll edit that out. It's fine. We don't have to yell at it. I'll get that. Edit. Edit. I don't even know where we're gonna edit to. <laughs> it's fine. Just continue. Okay, back to true crime. <laughs> are you ready for this, Corey? Are you yes. fucking ready? Are your are your horror pasties on? Yes. Are your are your season two ghost pasties on? My what are your season, season two, two ghost pasties? What do they look like? Oh fuck. Okay. My season two ghost pasties are just like black voids. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> I don't know. I wasn't ready for this. <laughs> what? It's the podcast. You knew we were going to okay, obviously mine, ask about pasties. Okay, so like my season two, what are what are, the, are these the ghost pasties? Is that what well, you like, said? I guess this would be the true crime pasties. So, okay. My season two true crime pasties are basically just like splashes of blood Nice. Um, but they're like coagulated because they've been waiting for a little bit of time. Nice. nice. Um, and then they just like when they finally like I just have to put like torches up to my nipples to like get the coagulated Naturally. blood running. And when it drips Naturally. on the floor, it creates the the number two. Yeah. That is quite go. the pasty. It was elaborate. Yeah. So mine is just one is Michael Myers <laughs> mask <laughs> and the other one is just Jason's mask. That's it. That's like there's nothing else. No, yeah. no flames were involved. Yeah. My no production values blood. were way high. So Chana's pasties were we had like ten dollars left. It only had like ten bucks for mine. So I like went to Spencer's quickly bought one. <laughs> and so I like let Corey have the true crime moment. <laughs> Thanks. You're welcome. Anyways, back to no. So everyone, get your true crime like air them out. I know it's kind of been dusty because it's been a year. Blow out the cobwebs. Blow them out. And slap those on. Yes. And let's get started. It was the spring Ooh. of 1998 when Amy Bradley, along with her brother Brad, her mother Eva, and her father Ron, took off on the Rap City of the Seas Royal Caribbean cruise. Hell yeah! It was, it was a normal family vacation until things took a horrific turn. Amy, I was seven. Amy disappeared. This is the story <gasps> on a of Amy boat. Bradley on a boat. On motherfucker. a motherfucker. On a boat, motherfucker. The Catalina wine mixer. Damn. Amy was born on May twenty fourth, nineteen seventy four, in Chesterfield County, Virginia, to Ron and Eva Bradley. Amy had two brothers, John and Brad. Typical sibling relationships equals rivalry, fights. You're thinking it. Y'all have siblings, except me. I'm an only child. You pretty much want to punch out your sibling all the time. But Amy and Brad, they were different. They were actually friends. They beat the <laughs> sibling odds. With they your segments, I'm immediately like incest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a few notes in here that I was writing. I was like, it so sounds like I'm talking about lovers, but I'm oh, talking yeah. about brother and sister. And I oh, am yeah. so sorry, Brad Bradley, if you listen to this. I know you guys aren't lovers. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't think they're lovers. You never know. I don't know. Go okay, to our I'm Patreon gonna... that doesn't exist for the video that Shannon just gave you. <laughs> me, not you. It wasn't me winking. She winked. <laughs> so they weren't just like regular siblings. They were like the Folger commercial siblings. <laughs> <laughs> they were like the Pornhub siblings. Oh, my God. Have you seen that? <laughs> not Vine. 
TikTok. Again, okay, we're making <laughs> Pornhub jokes about somebody that went missing. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay, well, one last joke. So, you know that TikTok video of it's like, wow, she was just reunited with her brother and like her brother walked no, in. No, because and, like, I'm not on TikTok because it's a ass. fucking drug. Because it's worse I'm not than on TikTok cigarettes. Either. I'm not on TikTok. I still see them, though, all the time. No, ma'am. Anyways, yeah. It was like the modern day Folger coffee commercial. Okay. But Amy and Brad Brad were not. They were actually just regular siblings who actually liked each other. They were best friends. They would do anything for one another. They were inseparable. They fucking loved each other in not a creepy way, Corey. Amy wasn't just loved by her family. She was loved by anyone who met her. She had a kind and caring heart, a smile that lit up the room, and a personality that made I don't know why I said personality there's the list <laughs> and a personality that made everyone feel cared for. Holy shit, I'm drunk. <laughs> Same. <laughs> it's a wins it's not even a, it's a wednesday yeah it's <laughs> Jesus fine. i have so much on my to-do list tomorrow it's cool right uh by 1998 at 23 years old amy was 5'7 120 pounds she had a dark brown pixie cut belly button piercing eight ear piercings and several tattoos these tattoos consisted of a tasmanian devil on her left shoulder blade as in, like, Taz or, like, a literal Tasmanian devil? That's a great question. I don't know. Okay. Google it. Um, a green and blue gecko lizard around her belly button, a Chinese symbol on her right ankle, and a Japanese sun tattooed on her lower back. Tons of tattoos. Specifically tattoos that are f- not necessarily unique, but they stand out and you would notice them. It's not like a butterfly on your arm, which I'm getting one day, so no shame to y'all. But it's, you know, they're fairly unique. So if you did see them on the street or on somebody, you would be like, oh, yeah, that's a green and blue gecko lizard circling her belly button. That's, yeah, that's different. Yeah. Amy graduated from college with a degree in physical education and just got a marketing job at a computer consulting firm. Amy was at the start of a beetle, of a, well, here we go. Amy was at the start of a beautiful life filled with family, friends, a great job, and most importantly, a puppy French bulldog. Oh, my God. A beautiful, perfect angel little being. Don't know the name, but perfect little baby. Ugh. I know. That's the saddest part. I'm just kidding. This story gets very sad. Because, you know, it's me. I, I have to bring you guys down. I have to bring you guys back down to reality. It's fine. In March of 1998, Amy's father... Ron. So if I say Ron, just remember that's Father. Amy's daddy He won a cruise through work. Ooh. Ooh. Originally, only the parents are going to go, but... Can you do that nowadays? Can you win a, th- cr- a cruise through a work? Yeah, if you work for like a sales company. Okay, like, yeah. Sales. Didn't. Okay, yeah. Sales, that makes sense. Yeah. So originally, just Ron and Eva were going to go, but Amy and her BFF brother, Brad, decided to join. Amy was nervous to travel... And most importantly, she was nervous to go on a cruise because she was kind of freaked out by the open water because it is kind of freaky. Kind of Corey and I went to a shark cage. Okay, that's <gasps> we went to a shark cage. That's all. That's all. That's, that's all. What we did. So Amy was nervous to go because she was not going on the shark cage with me and Corey. But she was excited to go on vacation <laughs> with her parents and her brother, Brad. Her first Plus, mistake. She just graduated college. She got a motherfucking French bulldog puppy and she landed Fuck a yeah, job. Fuck so she Graduate college. A- Get that fucking... French bulldog Get that puppy. degree, get that puppy, get that job. She fucking deserved a vacation like this. Fuck yeah, a she's cu- winning life. One hundo. A couple days partying, tanning, island hopping, and Hell cruise yeah. fun. Hell fucking yeah. She was ready to turn the girl. fuck up. 
And like any other 23-year-old, she spent weeks before she's the fucking 23 prep- and doing all that? Yeah. Fuck I yeah. Know. Yeah. I right? guess it was she's 1998. <laughs> yeah. It's when things were doable back then. Yeah. Uh, but that's not to discredit her at all because she's a smart bad bitch. Like she, Amy was a fucking bad bitch and it's so horrible. What? Okay. We're going to just continue going through this. <laughs> Like any 23-year-old, she spent the the weeks before the cruise prepping outfits, tanning, getting ready to enjoy a week of island hopping, and open bars. It's like Corey and I for like the months before we go to Hawaii. Oh, like, yeah. Planning every single outfit for every occasion. Now it's March 21st, 1998. Happy almost birthday, Oh, my Corey. God. I'm almost seven. You're almost seven. Happy birthday. Shit. You're almost one year away from baptism. Oh my the family. <laughs> Fuck, way to ruin it. <laughs> the family, yeah, ready to ruin this story. <laughs> this story's ruined. not about her disappearance. It's about how Corey almost got bapt- got baptized one year Y'all, later. can I like go on like a 30 second tangent? Obviously. Okay, so did y'all did I ever tell y'all my 30 second tangent is when I was getting baptized, all I remember is the whole time that somebody was getting baptized before me, and usually you get baptized by like your father. Yeah. Um Oh no, it's like a creepy dad story. No, it's not a creepy dad story. It's a creepy me story. So, oh, shit. um, <laughs> Uh-oh. no, so it's a sad creepy me story because oh, I was like shit. gay and closeted and like, so I was eight and I was super self-aware that I was gay. And the whole time there was somebody getting baptized before me and there's like a seat, there's a room, not a secret room. There's like a room right before the baptismal font in a the church room. places where you can like change and take a shower, but it's very oh. open. It's very like locker room esque. So there was a dad that was baptizing his son right before us. And I came in to change and like the dad walked in and just stripped naked. And I was like, oh, fuck. All I want to do is like look at this naked guy Aww. like right before I went and got baptized. And I was Aww. like, oh, shit, I'm not worthy because <laughs> I was so like sad. looking at that penis the whole time. It's fine. At least your sins were washed away shortly after court. Very true. <laughs> oh, that's sad. <laughs> and then I got excommunicated, so they're all back. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, Woo! yeah. Woo-woo. So the day before Corey was one year away from being <laughs> baptized, this family boarded the Rhapsody of the Seas ship, which was a Royal Caribbean cruise line ship in Puerto Rico. Before leaving, Amy sent her BFF a postcard that said, in quotes, hey girl, it's gorgeous here. We're leaving for Aruba tomorrow. Be home Saturday at 10. Wow, things never change. Things never change. BRB, going to Aruba. Rhapsody of the Sea. I just want to make this clear how big this ship is. I don't want you to think this is like a, a like baby cruise ship. This yeah, is a she didn't fucking, say boat. She said ship. This is a big-ass Royal Caribbean ship. I'm talking 11 stories high. Hell yeah. 915 feet long. Another club. 106 feet wide with almost Another 800 club. employees and over 2,300 guests. This is a f- big fucking boat with lots of motherfucking people and that becomes important that's just like an important little fact to remember just when the chaos happens because covid's listening to this like fuck yeah Yeah, covid is a big old (laughs) delta has like the biggest boner that's ever been bonered so the first day of the cruise was mainly spent getting settled exploring the ship as you do on the first day of vacay and um, that night, a waiter took special interest in Amy and asked uh, asked her for her name and like just general info, like where are you from, like how old are you, what are you here for, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Just like weird small talk, but like a little too personal, the small talk, you know, Oof. but it was still like, like, okay, he's just asking polite questions, but eh. No, he's a straight man run away. 
Yeah, and Amy felt the same way. She was polite, but she was obviously a little weirded out. She was like, he's asking a little too many questions, but I don't know. Maybe he's just trying to be nice. I'm just, I'm just going to continue being polite. The next day, two more waiters asked her the exact same questions and had the almost identical conversation. What? That That's same day, truly creepy. Oh, get, get ready for this. That same day, this, the, do- the <sighs> ship docked at Aruba, and Amy and Brad got off the ship to explore. Now, right before they got off the ship, another waiter just ran up to her and asked her if she wanted to go clubbing on the island. No. She thought it was really odd. She didn't even no. know who he was, but, she, but he knew her by name. She declined. Her and Brad were like, what the fuck? And then they got off the ship. A little while later, her parents started getting off the ship when another waiter ran up to them and asked for Amy by name. No. The parents were immediately sketched the fuck out, yes. as they should be, and they questioned how he knows her name, why he needs to know where she is, how did he even know that they were her parents. When they were questioning him, he told the parents that they, presumably the waiters, uh, the members of the waitstaff, um, met Amy. They thought she was cool, and they just wanted to take her to a bar called Carlos uh, Carlos and Charlie's. True crime fact, this is the exact same bar that Natalie Holloway disappeared from in 2005. We're actually going to talk about her in a couple episodes. Uh. I don't know when yet. But that's I thought you were going to talk connection. about that one guy that went into the bar and then had oh. to go potty, but came out. Oh my God. That, that one, I, Chana, like that every, was a good episode. every two weeks I'll be like doing some random stupid yeah. shit in my life. And then I'll be like that guy. That was one of the best. <laughs> I was that a Patreon or was that a regular? That was a regular. Okay. That was one of the best episodes I've ever Seriously, done. Seriously? Cause I was so fucking dumbfounded. I was just like, what the fuck? But yeah. how did that happen? There's cameras everywhere. What? Like, I think that was the New Year's Eve episode yo. in 2020. Yeah, yeah that might have been that one. Yeah. Oh, my God. Shit, that one still that, blows my mind. That's my one dick. of the most mind-fucky episodes. Because it, 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 there's, no, there's, no, there's no reason. That one makes a, no any sense. Any explanation, there's no explanation. Like, Zero it's, sense. It's crazy. Yeah. Like, demons. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, a time portal open. Yeah, like, time portals open. Yeah. That's the only... like multiverse yeah 100% on that note I'm gonna drink because now I'm triggered from the story <laughs> everyone drink for multiverse <laughs> spider-verse spider <laughs> <laughs> MCU <laughs> this is sponsored by Disney Channel Disney's like no, no it's my god not. oh my god Channel's joking <laughs> I'm jo- Disney just like dick slapped me <laughs> so fucking hard I am worth like negative 10 million dollars now just by making right. that joke oh my god <laughs> Going back to the the trauma I'm about to discuss, the parents were still obviously uncomfortable, and frankly, they thought this was weird as fuck, so they did not give the waiter any information, because they are like, who the fuck are you to walk up to us, question us about our daughter, we don't know you, why do you want to take our daughter to the bar, she's only 23, get the fuck out, out of here. When the parents caught up with Amy and Brad, they told Amy about the waiter, and she told them that uh, that all the other waiters were coming up to her, and they all gave her the creeps. Um, and she didn't want to do anything with them, and she did not understand why they were all obsessing over her. Like, dozens of waiters at this point were just rolling up to her. That's like, oh my gosh, I would just cling to my daughter. 100%. Yeah. So the day continued, and the family brushed off the drama to enjoy a day in Aruba. You're on vacation, you're in an all-paid-for, all-inclusive cruise, you're in Aruba with your family, you got, weird shit happened, but you just gotta kind of brush it off. Shit happens sometimes. Ugh. They drank, they shopped, they beached it up, and they drank again. And throughout the day uh, of Aruba activities, the ship's staff went around and took pictures of each family. 
Finally, it was time for dinner, so the family made their way back to the Rhapsody of the Seas ship. During dinner, ship staff told everybody that the pictures of the families that they took throughout the day were ready to be looked at. So the Bradleys rolled up to the photo booth and noticed that every single photo featuring Amy was gone. If there was a photo with just the parents, it was there. Of the parents and the brother, it was there. The brother was there. They noticed that? Oh, my God. Any photo with Amy was gone. The gallery supervisor insisted that they did take pictures of Amy, but they must have misplaced them and to check again later. Not thinking too much into it because they're like, you know, there's over 2,300 guests. Shit happens. We get it. Um, they just continued their night of drinking, dancing, and do whatever, doing whatever the fuck you do on a cruise. Quick note, and I'm going to mention this later, but it's necessary to understand the gravity of this particular event. Over 2,300 people were on that boat, and the only pictures that were ever missing were of Amy Bradley. Every single other person on that boat received every single photo that was ever taken of them, except Uh, the Bradleys. Oh. A couple days passed, and the Bradleys were having the time of their lives. This brings us to March 23rd. Happy happy less than one year until Corey gets (laughs) baptized. (laughs) Fuck me. (laughs) Amy and Brad went to gamble in the casino and they met up with their parents at the disco to participate in a limbo contest because obviously you're in a Fuck cruise. Yeah. You're obviously going to do a limbo, limbo contest. A disco limbo contest? That sounds yeah. fucking awesome. Like, that is, if I ever go on a cruise, which I will not because of this episode. Yeah, but let's because say of this I do, episode and because of, like, virus. <laughs> yeah, and, like, you know, who goes on a cruise? Like, why a cruise? If you're going to spend the money, why a right. cruise? I just want to know that answer. Fucking control your life. Like, why, if you're going to spend a couple grand on a vacay, why a cruise? Anyways, it's the 90s. Like, whatever. It's all paid yeah, for. whatever, yeah. So they go to a disco limbo contest because that's the most cruise thing I could possibly think of. Yep. Brad won. Yay, go Brad. Go Brad. After the contest, the parents called it a night and they went to bed. Amy and Brad, however, they're young. They wanted a fucking party. So they did. The cruise band, their name is the Blue Orchid. They are playing and hundreds Ooh. of people were dancing. They were drunk. They were just like making out, grinding, probably doing coke. You know, having the time of your fuck. I'm not saying Amy and Bradley were doing coke. Not I'm twerking saying, like, yet because people. it was the 90s. Yeah, you're crumping. <laughs> you're crumping. Oh, my God. Do you remember God. that? The, fuck the, me. Uh, Wasn't crumping like an early 2000s thing? It was, yeah. Okay, okay. Do you remember in, I think it was one of the movies or of the Night in when she has to, like, crump? Crunk? Crunk? I don't know. I forget. I don't know. We're but white. all I know <laughs> is I've never had secondhand embarrassment more than I've ever had with Hayden Panettiere doing the crunking scene. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Lord. So they were not doing that. They were just dancing, like, like you know, how you dance in 1998, doing the running man. Yeah. They're having fun. <laughs> They are fucking having fun. Like, this is like if me, if like Corey and I were on a fucking cruise, drunk as shit, dancing. Oh, hell You're just yeah. having the time of your we're life. We're the life of the party. They spent hours dancing, drinking, making friends. Brad was surrounded by all these beautiful women while Amy focused her attention on the bassist of Blue Orchid, which Hot. is the band. His name is Alistair Douglas. Ooh. He was also known as Yellow. There's actually a video of Amy dancing with Yellow, and you can go what? on YouTube and watch it, and it's spooky as fuck. What the fuck? in the morning, Ron, the dad, he woke up and he realized that Amy and Brad were still not back yet. He walked to the disco to make sure they're all right, and he saw the two of them just having the time of their fucking life. So he figured, they're adults, they're capable of making it back to the room, so I'm just going to go back to bed. I love them. So he did that. 
About an hour later, Brad went back to the room and Amy followed 15 minutes after that. The two were still buzzed, but they were wide awake, so they decided to sit on their private balcony and do what drunk people do best, and that is drunk deep talk. Ron woke up again, and he walked out of his room to see his two wonderful kids laughing and talking on their balcony. He walked out, and he told them that he was happy to see that they were safe. He loves them, and to turn off the lights when they go to bed. Amy and Brad spent the next hour talking, laughing, and looking at the stars in the ocean and planning out their next day. They planned on jet skiing. They were going to explore Carousel, which is the next island on their stop. They talked about the shops they wanted to go to, the drinks they wanted to get, the, the breakfast they're going to have. They were just having fun, talking and laughing about their, about what they're going to do and just having the time of their absolute life. Oh, my God, y'all. I'm watching the video right now as Chan saying that. This is like, they're like having a good time. They're having a good 90s ass time. It's ominous, isn't it? Like there's like white ass fuck people dancing in the background, just like, you know, dancing their best to the music. It looks like a good time though. It's a cruise. You're drunk. Yeah, man. It was a good time. She does look a little drunk too. You can tell. And that's one of the... And not in a bad way, just in a maybe she might be a little bit more like vulnerable way. Yeah. And that's one of like the... The scarier points of the story is talking about how in a vacation setting where you're having the time of your life that something so horrific and yeah. a tragedy could happen. Yeah, because you want it. Yeah, you let your inhibitions down. You let your guard down. Yeah. Yeah. Not that it's her fault at all. No, definitely. Uh, no, no, yeah, no. It's just, it's, yeah, that's that's one of the things that really uh, caught my attention about this, fa- about this particular case is they went from the time of their lives to all of a sudden the absolute nightmare of their lives in a matter of an hour, which we're going to get to right now. <laughs> so <laughs> you're like in T minus three seconds. <laughs> so everyone put on your, your sad pasties cause it's about to get sad. So Brad continuing Brad and Amy having the time of their life on the private balcony. Um, the, then eventually Brad got tired. It's like three thirty in the morning at this point. He's been drunk all night. He's tired. Amy was still wide awake, so she decided to stay on the balcony. As Brad walked away from Amy, he turned around and he said, Amy, I love you. And she said, Brad, I love you too. And they had one of those particularly beautiful moments that you only share with someone that you truly care about. You say I love you, but it's the silence between the words and after that really shows you how much you love someone. It's the look in each other's eyes. It's just that moment. Like, you just feel it. It's like, I feel it a lot with Corey. Like, I feel a lot with my mom. I feel a lot with my cats. It's just this moment. It's like almost unexplainable. You say, I love you. Like, but it's more I love than you. That. She's like, Chenna, I love you. And I'm like, <laughs> and then, but then I hold her and she holds me and I'm like, oh. I'm your mother. But it's one of those moments that you, yeah. can't, you can't really explain. You just feel. And they had that. Yeah. And with one final look and one final, final smile, Brad turned around. He walked off the ba- the balcony, <sighs> walked into the room, closed the door, leaving Amy on the balcony. Oh my God. That was the last time that Brad would ever see his sister. Oh. At 5.30 in the morning, Ron, the dad, he woke up again. And this time, he saw Amy lying down on the balcony. He assumed she fell asleep. He didn't want to wake her, especially knowing that the rest of the family would wake up in about 30-ish minutes to get started on their day. He looked at his daughter before walking back in his room. And he was just so proud of who she was, what she's accomplished so far, who she's going to be. It was just this this look, this moment as like a dad sees your sleeping kid just saying like, that's my fucking kid. I just fucking love them. It was oh lots of sweet, tender moments. Can I just like interrupt though and point out how motherfucking 
dad energy that is to wake up at 5 30 and i know fucking vacation yeah after like waking up continuously throughout the night just for like no fucking reason yeah that's like and his peak, name's ron that's peak dad energy yeah that's peak ron dad energy yeah specifically like he is wearing sandals when he walks oh, out of his bedroom oh my god with socks on with socks on and they're like in he's wearing cargo he's sleeping in cargo oh, shorts cargo shorts yeah fuck yeah yeah his Some, like, his frazzled his bathing polo suit. <laughs> yeah, his bathing suit goes like way below his knees, hundred <laughs> percent. So, Ron looked at his daughter, his heart filled with love, turned around and walked back into the room because he figured he'll wake everybody up in about at thirty minutes. Five thirty a.m. <laughs> that was the last time Ron ever saw his daughter. Oh my god! So she wait, she's where is she? Five thirty a.m. Asleep on the balcony. On, she, on, like, the bed. On, like, you know, like, there's the lounge chairs on the balcony. Okay, asleep, yes. Asleep. Okay. Right there. Oh, my God. At 5.30? 5.30 in the morning. 30 minutes later at 6 a.m. Just 30. 30 She's minutes. Gone. 30 minutes. 30. Think about how short 30 minutes is. No. You know how short 30 minutes is? Not as short as a fucking bicycle wheel. <gasps> I was just about to say that. <laughs> that fucking... Oh my god, y'all. Oh my there was this episode god. where spinning someone, bicycle wheel. Yeah, Don't someone literally disappeared so fast that when they turned around, the bicycle wheel was still mm. fucking spinning and mm. the kid was gone. Mm. Uh-uh. I'm triggered. I'm re-triggered. So 30 minutes is a lifetime it's a, compared is to a that. lifetime compared to a child going and forming their parent and coming back in a bicycle wheel is still Le- Less spinning. than 30 seconds. 30 like, minutes is a lot longer than 30 Jesus seconds. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Damn, I want to revisit that episode. That was such a crazy-ass crazy episode. Anyway, so not a bicycle wheel, but 30 minutes later at 6 o'clock in the morning, Ron walked out of his room and he looked at the balcony to see if Amy was awake, but she wasn't there. He noticed, though, that her shoes and ID were still there, but no Amy. Interesting. thought it was odd, but maybe she got up to get some coffee, maybe breakfast, but she didn't leave a note, and Amy usually leaves notes. Don't freak out. You just saw her 30 minutes ago. She's fine. She's around here somewhere. Let's just go look for her. So Ron went downstairs. He went to the coffee and breakfast area on the ship, but no Amy. He went to the disco. No Amy. The casino. No Amy. And slowly as he checked each and every single space, that panic feeling that you get starts setting in. He started searching every common area on the boat. The pool. The deck. A different restaurant, a different cafe, Another this club. hall, this area. No Amy. No no pool, no game rooms, spa, restaurant, you kind of name it. Nowhere. He spent an hour looking for her, the panic growing and growing and growing. No Amy. Damn. He ran back to his, to his room. That panic just was peaking. He was completely frantic. He busted through the door and started screaming for, ebi- for everybody to wake up. He was yelling, I can't find her. I can't find Amy. Everyone needs to get up. Immediately, Eva and Brad, Eva's the mom, Brad the brother, they knew something was immediately wrong because, one, Ron never panics. He is one of those dads. I mean, his name's Ron. He's very, like. His goddamn Ron. Yeah. That's all you need to know. He never panics. he is a dad. (laughs) And he was losing his absolute shit. He was so hysterical. It's like one of those hystericals that, like, you pray to fucking baby Jesus that you never have to see a human being be that hysterical and that scary. Yeah. So the three started running around the boat. They were yelling for Amy. They were asking people, anyone who would stop the ship. Sorry. 
Oh my god, I'm sorry. The the cruise ship, not not the tiny ass. Check boat. yourself, Jenna. Check myself. I'm gonna yeah. Sorry, Royal Caribbean. Yeah. <laughs> Which is sponsored by Royal Caribbean. Anyways, you guys wanna take a vacation? We just go into like a minute long commercial. Yeah. So anyways, hello fresh. I was doing this thing the other day. Hello fresh. <laughs> oh my god. So they were just running around the ship, screaming for Amy, stopping any person that would even look at them and and asking if they'd seen her, showing them pictures. No one had seen her. They rechecked every single common area. (laughs) It's like, have you seen this girl? It's like some girl fucking twerking her shit out. Yeah, it's some girl. It's me on the pole. They're like, I haven't, but mm -hmm. (laughs) we'll let you know. It's her like popping dollar bills off her pussy. (laughs) Popping each other's assholes. Being a popping each other's assholes. Such a good movie. Fucking love that movie. They continued running. They continued getting more hysterical. And eventually they found security and security brought them to the captain. The boat had been docked at Carousel since early that morning, but no one was allowed off the boat yet. That's an important Wait, fact. Wait, they were remember. docked? Yeah, they were docked. They were docked Fuck. this whole time. Now, that's an important fact to know because any person who was on the boat that night was still on that boat that morning because not a single person was let off the boat um, since they all returned from Aruba. It yeah. was literally impossible for anyone to leave. So the Bradleys begged and begged and begged the captain to let them look through all the rooms to search for her because she was obviously in a room. Um, They also asked him to make an announcement for all the guests um, to go to their emergency group meetings slash, sorry, their group slash meeting destinations as a drill. But the captain said no. He said, chances are Amy's on the boat somewhere. She'll probably return soon. Plus, he didn't want to panic the guests. He didn't want to say, run to your emergency Titanic, you know, s- spots. Women and children only. <laughs> Titanic. Like, he, he just wanted them to have a great vacation, a great experience. He did, however, agree to make an announcement at 7.58 in the morning. And the announcement was, in quotes, will Amy Bradley please report to the purser desk? That's it. After continuously fighting the captain, he finally allowed a search to be conducted of the entire ship, but only after the guests the guests were allowed to leave the Oof. ship to go to carousel the family uh, fought against that because they thought if amy let's say maybe she's being held against her will maybe she's drugged maybe she's too drunk like we just want to keep everybody in the boat because that is how we're going to find her if you start letting people off we'll probably lose her but the captain he didn't give them a choice he said it's it's this or nothing so they agreed because what else are you going to do so as the guests slowly filed out of the ship to spend another happy day on the island, the Bradleys frantically searched for Amy. Oh, my God. As Brad was the running around nightmare. looking for her, Yellow, who was the bass player from last night, he came up to him and said, Hey, man, I'm so sorry about your sister. But this was weird because at this point, no yeah. official announcement was made. Nobody knows what was going on except the family and the security team. So how would a rando bassist in a band know? that his sister was missing because no one knew at this point. Yeah. Brad kind of noted that, but he was like, I got to keep looking. So he kept looking. The whole family kept looking. And as hours passed, the Bradleys didn't know what to do. Do they continue searching on the boat? Do they look on the island? Does she jump off or fall off the boat? Where the fuck is Amy? So a side note about this, because I'm just going to quickly brush brush through this uh, before I continue on with the main uh, story. They quickly ruled off that Amy did not jump or fall off the boat because, first of all, she was really afraid of the open water, as I discussed earlier. <laughs> Same. And so she would not stand near the railing. Secondly, if she had jumped or fell off the ship, tech like the ship was already docked and they were so close to shore that anyone, 
like even me, like I would be able to survive that. And Amy was really good at swimming. She was kind of like the Tyler of swimming, like ridiculously good at swimming. Like she would be able to survive that. And another side note to that, they did eventually search the water and there wasn't any sign of her. They they also knew, because some people were like, well, maybe she killed herself, maybe she jumped. But they knew that Amy wouldn't do that because she just graduated her, from college. She just got her dream job. She just got a puppy. She has a she, puppy waiting at home. She sent her best friend a postcard saying, I'll see you on Saturday. She and Brad planned out the whole next day of activities. She was happy. She was really, she was smart she would she wouldn't walk away from all of these opportunities that she had in front of her and and they just knew they they just knew like there's no absolute way that amy would choose to to end her life or to run away so by ruling out her either suicide or jumping or falling to the water um, and leaving amy on her own accord the family knew something more sinister was most likely at play So as they were hysterically asking people what the fuck was going on, obviously rumors started growing around the ship. But still at this point, no official announcement was made by the captain. Two random passengers, there are two girls, they actually walked up to the family and then let them know that they saw Amy in yellow walk into the disco at around 5.30 in the morning. What? And another person ran up to the family and said, hey, we heard you're missing your daughter. We actually saw Amy in the elevator with her room key, cigarettes, and a lighter and a couple hundred dollars around six o'clock that morning. <laughs> Wait, how do they know that much specific information? What's But what's interesting about that specific info, though, is the room key, cigarettes, and lighter are exactly the things that the dad noticed were, were missing from, from okay, Amy's okay. belongings. That's the only thing. So that's what makes that really credible. Is like it's. Well, it I guess could, if she had a dress on and she didn't have like a clutch or something. Yeah. yeah, she's just holding everything. Yeah. By this point, the captain called for the Bradleys, and the captain told them that they looked everywhere on the ship because everybody went went and had a great day in Carousel while the Bradleys were frantically looking. And while the Bradleys were frantically looking, he sent his entire crew, and they checked every single passenger room, every single bathroom, every single possible spot, every nook and cranny for any person to be, and there was absolutely no sign of Amy. They asked if their best option was to continue searching on the boat or if they should go on the island. And he responded by pretty much saying, you can look at the island, but regardless if you find her or not, we're leaving here at 8 p.m. tonight. So be back on the boat. We're leaving without you. Good luck for you. Bye. We've done our part. Fuck off. So, you know, super not helpful. It was great. Yeah. So the family at this point, believing that they searched every single nook and cranny in the boat, decided the best possible option is for us to get off the boat and, and look on the island. So they got off the boat, they booked a hotel, and they continued their search. As soon as they got to the hotel, they contacted friends, family, and the U.S. Embassy. The following day at 6 o'clock in the morning, the Netherlands Coast Guard began a four-day search that ended on March 27th. No Amy. Meanwhile, back in the U.S., Amy's other brother, John, uh, he got in contact with the FBI. The FBI rolled up and discovered that the captain lied, (gasps) and the ship was not searched the first day at all. In fact, the only areas that were searched were the common areas, such as restaurants, casino, and pool. Nothing else was searched. At this point... Oh my god, is this this person in jail? uh, No. At this point, days have passed. Days have passed between her disappearance, and the ship has stopped at multiple other islands. Amy Mm. could be anywhere. 
The Bradleys were devastated because the only reason they got off the boat, the only fucking reason was because the captain assured them they they looked for her everywhere and she wasn't there. He he literally lied to them 100% completely that they looked for Amy. They did not look for Amy. So that entire time that the Bradleys were in carousel looking for her, she was on the boat the whole time, the whole fucking time, where if they just stayed on the boat, they might, not saying they would have, but there was a a stronger chance that they would have found her if they remained on the boat and the captain lied i'm triggered the next day i'm like so mad right now yeah the next day the bradleys and the fbi flew to the next island the ship was stopping at and they boarded it to look for amy but they couldn't find anything they even brought dogs but they couldn't find any trace of amy now at this point it's five or six days after Amy was missing and the guests were finally officially notified that Amy was missing and they oh asked to come God. forward with tips almost a week after. And at this point <laughs> I'd be like, I only... don't know, I was drunk for five days. <laughs> That's the whole thing. It's like you have to think of the environment. Like it's six days of a cruise vacation setting yeah, where every single I was person you're drunk. <laughs> yeah, and you're seeing over twenty three hundred people around you at yeah. all times. All I Whereas saw if, were men with shirts off. <laughs> exactly. Whereas if they actually asked people the first day or let the Bradley stay on the boat the first day, Amy probably would have been found. Damn. But instead, the captain and the boat crew did everything they could to prevent yeah. the family from finding out where the fuck Amy was. <sighs> I'm so triggered. So that's the, so the disgusting only... that he's in on it. That's that's so disgusting. Right. The only real person of interest they had at this point, like the only thing they really had to go off of was Yellow, which is the bassist dude that Amy was dancing with, that video that I told you about. So they interviewed him. They gave him a polygraph and he passed the polygraph. Not that that means literally anything because polygraphs are fucking bullshit. Yeah. Because we do know as a fact that he did lie because he tried to say, no, I did not tell the Bradleys, hey, sorry to hear about your sister when he did. Like Brad heard him. Uh, like he like yellow said that sorry to hear about your sister and he just blatantly lied about it and brad was immediately put off by that he was like cool he fucking lied and he still passed the polygraph obviously this dude is a fucking liar like we need to look into him more but they're like he passed the polygraph he's fine obnoxious but this is when things get weirder because remember night two when the pics of amy were missing yeah well there were two other days that pictures of amy were taken two whole so now three whole days in total and when the fbi requested them from the ship every single photo of amy from all three days of photos were missing is anybody in jail amy was the only guest out of over 2300 people with missing photos that's so stupid this is when the family and the fbi and the whole investigation started to believe that some of the employees were responsible and potentially abducted <laughs> now, her. this is and it. <laughs> this is when the topic of sex trafficking was brought up. Yeah. So unfortunately, women and men get trafficked on vacation and especially cruises because cruise workers, they don't make much money and usually they live in underdeveloped countries. So they are easy targets for traffickers to use them to find their victims. Yeah. With the weird waiters, if you remember from the first two days, asking crazy specific questions about Amy, to the weird bass player giving her uh, special attention, to the lying captain and the entire lying security team, the missing photos, everything started pointing towards sex trafficking. Eventually, the family had to return to the U.S., but their search was far from over. They launched a campaign uh, to bring nationwide attention to Amy. 
At this time, the Bradleys were contacted by a taxi driver in Puerto Rico. He was there when the ship docked and claimed he saw Amy being taken off the boat by a man um, and forced into a cab. If that's true, what? that means she was held on the boat for about four days. Oh, my so because God. From Carousel to Puerto Rico is about f- a four-day journey. Um, now <laughs> Wait, it's Jenna, Jenna, what do you do if you're on vacation and you see a woman being forced into a cab? Uh, like, I immediately run to the nearest officials. I would run to the like nearest Im- officials, and then I would immediately call you. <laughs> like, immediately. <laughs> I wouldn't yeah. just, like, log that away and wait oh. until the FBI asked me questions. <laughs> yeah. I would, I would like, I would be saying to, that to any person who would listen yeah. to that. Like, I would yell at everyone next near me, like, did y'all just see that woman be forced into a car? <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, y'all see that? Y'all fucking see that? Yeah. yeah. Like, Jesus. And then okay. I probably FaceTime you as I'm, like, running after her. <laughs> I'm like, woman. You're, like, in fucking, like, six-inch heels, like, fucking yeah. trucking it down the road. I put on my pole heels. I just start running. That's I put the, I take, like, two minutes to put them on before I run after. Yeah. <laughs> just to so make it all more dramatic. Right? It's unknown if the tip was true because even though the FBI was given this tip, after eight months Valid. of having that tip, the Bradleys discovered that the FBI never followed up with that taxi driver. Oh, my God. And since it was so much time, they could not locate that taxi driver. Oh, my God. Even though that taxi driver willingly went to the FBI to be like, I fucking saw here, her. Here's everything that I have. And they just ignored it. Law enforcement. Two more witnesses dot, dot, dot. said <laughs> that they saw... Um, Amy and Carousel with a man who wore a baseball hat. And then there were more reporting reported sightings of Amy and Carousel. They were being called in. Dozens of, of, reporting, of reported sightings. And nothing was happening. So Brad, Ron, and Eva decided to take matters in their own hands. So Brad and Ron flew to Carousel to try to find Amy. They followed through every single tip, every single lead, no matter how promising or not promising they looked every single thing they had but they couldn't find anything five months passed after amy disappeared and amy was seen by two canadian divers their names are david carmichael and his friend who i don't i could not find his name anywhere (laughs) so we're gonna call him greg (laughs) david carmichael and greg we got david David carmichael's entire name But not, yeah, David Carmichael, like the most dramatic name of names, but not his, the he's most like, dramatic fuck white friend. name I can think of. Yeah, like he is so saying fuck his friend that he literally is like prevented his friend's name from getting out there. He's like, this is a story about me and my friend, about me and my friend, me, Chana Jones, and my friend, not Corey. <laughs> George, me and my friend, yeah, George. Not, not George. This is not about George, this is about me, Chana. So here's a quote from David. He said, well, we were in the process of taking off our dive gear when I noticed three people walking up the beach. There was two guys and a girl, a white guy, a black guy, and the girls trailing them. As they passed us, I turned around to my buddy, who was maybe 15 or 20 feet away from me, and I yelled to him and asked him if he had a piece of dive gear. And just as I did that, um, they walked past me, and this girl spun around, started running towards me. Now, she walked towards David. So that, you know, end quote. Now, this is me talking. As she walks towards David, she was getting ready to speak, and the two men grabbed her, and they started <sighs> pulling her towards his cafe. David and his friend thought it was really weird, really off, so they're like, let's go to that fucking cafe, and let's see like what this girl wanted to tell us. So they walk over to this cafe for drinks, and as they sat across the cafe with perfect view of Amy and the two men, Amy just kept staring at them, and she discreetly pointed to a scar on her ankle, <gasps> which Amy Bradley has, 
and tattoos on her body. And those tattoos were the Tasmanian. Oh, my God. Save this woman. The gecko, the the Japanese sun, like every tattoo that Amy has. And she was just staring at them. And David and Greg or George were just looking at her. And they didn't understand what she was doing. And eventually Amy and the men left. What? David and random other white man name thought it was odd. But they they didn't think too much of it. They're like, I maybe she was drunk. Maybe Like, who knows? And then about four months later, David is watching America's Most Wanted, and he saw this picture of a girl that he saw on the beach, a girl with a scar on the tattoos, Amy Bradley. He immediately called the tip line and contacted the Bradleys directly about this. But sadly, by the time he notified them, they went and they searched the cafe and the area that surrounded the cafe, but there were no signs of Amy. In 1999, a member of the Navy visited a brothel in Barbados, and he claimed to have run into Amy, or at least a woman claiming to be her. The sailor claimed that the woman told him her name was Amy Bradley and begged him for help, saying that she was not allowed to leave the brothel. She begged and she begged, sobbing, but he did not report the tip for years. What? I looked into this because I was so shook. And apparently, like, when you're in the Navy or in, like, the service, like like, the United States Navy or U.S., army whatever if you go to brothels and things like that like you'll immediately get fucked like dishonorably discharged and whatnot and there's gonna be like legal consequences so that's the reasoning why he didn't go to anybody however he's at a brothel and this girl gives him a whole confession about who she oh is, my god what happened to her and begged for help and he still didn't go so this is on him i hope he, he has a like, horrible life yeah he is literally there it's inexcusable what i he hope he has, has the most horrible life right now yeah because he did not report it for years. And by the time he reported it, they looked for that brothel. And the brothel was burned to the ground. Everything was gone, obviously. Because, <laughs> And then years, years and years I and years. I hope he has the most horrible by. life. Yeah, me too. Fuck you, dude. Years continued to pass by. And the family just got tired of waiting for the FBI. So they started looking for a PI. They just wanted to take matters more into their own hands. And that's when they received an email from Frank Jones. Frank claimed to be a former U.S. Special, U.S. Army Special Forces officer working with a team of ex-Army Rangers and ex-Navy SEALs under his command in special op missions. Frank Jones assured the Bradleys that his team had the experience and credentials to not only locate, but also rescue Amy. Now, with little progress in the federal investigation, Frank Jones offered them that glimmer of hope, that lifeline that the Bradleys so desperately needed and craved. He told them from the beginning that it would cost tens of thousands of dollars and take months to progress. They had to be patient while he and his team took surveillance and gathered evidence before making their move to extract Amy. And the Bradleys were desperate, and they were willing to do anything to get Amy back. Super sweet side note here. Ron's boss, Ron is Amy's dad, he actually paid for this entire PI, for this entire investigation. Oh, that's really nice. Because he had such a good relationship with the family, and he just didn't want them to worry about it financially. That's nice. So, the, so Ron's boss and the Bradleys, they paid Frank and the private investigation began. Over the next few months, Frank would send the Bradleys updates constantly. He would call them while he would watch Amy. He figured out old locations they kept her. He even sent them pictures of Amy's on the beach. And as they wanted more info, he asked for more money. Finally, after wait, spending close like to- Wait, like he saw her in real life? Yeah, and would send them pictures, videos. <sighs> wait, why don't you just like fucking run a- why do you not just like run up and just like be like come with me? <laughs> because wait. Jesus. Because wait. He he 
would just constantly tell this family that he saw Amy and he talked, he would, you know, he just be fucking near her, lying? see, hear her voice, see her tattoos, take pictures of her. And after months and months, and as they wanted more info, wanted him to get to her, and after spending close to $100,000, he oh said, God. I finally got the location she's going to be at. I need another $100,000 so I can extract her. <gasps> oh. And the family agreed because they're desperate and they're sad and they're heartbroken and they just need their daughter back and they will do anything. And they gave Frank the money and he told the family to go to a hotel in Florida to wait for him and Amy to arrive and they'll arrive in a couple days. A week passed, nothing. <sighs> Finally, the phone rang. They eagerly picked up, but on the other line was not Frank Jones. It was one of Jones's team members who said that the entire operation was a scam. Oh my God. Frank never looked Frank for Jones Amy. seems pretty made up a name. <laughs> I was going to comment on that earlier. <laughs> every single thing was a lie. Oh. All of the pictures he sent them, yeah, he paid someone to, to dress up like Amy, to put fake tattoos on. Oh he my paid God. people to look at the kidnappers. All the info, lies. Every single phone call, every email, every letter lie is this he person led, been caught yeah he oh, led them thank family fucking god for months and he gave them false hope he gave this family who was so desperate for their daughter hope that she was still alive pretend facts that she was still alive photos that she was still alive and it was all a lie while getting over 200 grand from them he took advantage of a desperate family and he squeezed every single penny out of the bradley's and ron's boss in april 20 of 2002 Frank Jones pled guilty to mail fraud and was sentenced to five years in prison in order to repay the money. Just five years. So he was caught, but just five years. But he did repay the money, but just five years. Oh, my God. In 2005, the Bradleys were emailed two photos from a website that sells sex workers in the Caribbean. In the photo, you can see Amy or someone who (sighs) looks identical to her on a bed of lingerie. You can look up these photos yourself because there's another photo with her nude, but her nude body is blocked out. Uh, no, because, I do not want to As respect that. to the Bradleys. Um, this photo, if it is Amy, 100% confirms she was forced into sex trafficking. Mm-hmm. The FBI tried tracking the IP address, but the lead went cold. But there is an interesting fact about these two photos. If you do look at them, you know, yes, without a doubt, that's Amy. But they actually had all of these forensic detectives and like forensic sketch artists look at the photos and compare those photos to Amy. They even like put it into like a system that looks at photos and like facial structure and whatnot. And there's like a 100% consensus consensus that, that it's Amy. these two photos are Amy. Damn. It's not like official that it is, but all these people have come out and been like, I would bet my career that this is Amy. Like this is fucking Amy Bradley. And so that is like the confirmation that she What year was that? Sorry. 2005. So seven years after she was taken. So she's 30 at this point. That same year, so 2005, a woman named Judy Moyer, she was in a department store restroom in Bridgerton, Barbados, and she suddenly heard two men loudly enter the bathroom and begin screaming and threatening a woman in a different stall. They just kept saying, the deal's at 11 p.m., you can't mess this up for us, do not fucking mess this up, do you fucking understand and oh my god imagine i'm like sorry she's like, like my fucking decibels went off the chart on that imagine being like in fucking barbados just like 
living it up and just be pissing in the bathroom and hear yeah. this. Oh and hear this. God. And she's she's like the definition of a like a middle class white woman who's oh in like her forties. God. Yeah. Her name's practically Karen. She's like trying to pee discreetly and two men are screaming. Those she's had like two glasses deal. of Chardonnay. Yeah, and she's she's about to get those jalapeno poppers and she's fucking living. Oh my god, give me those fucking jalapeno poppers. And she hears this in the bathroom. And Judy heard this girl talking back, and then the men went went quiet, and they left. So Judy exited her stall, and she found a crying woman hunched over in the sink. <sighs> and Judy, she's a mom. She's a she's a tender woman. She walked over, and she put her hand on the girl's shoulder, and she asked her if she was okay and what her name was. The girl, throughout her sob, said, I'm Amy from Virginia. Oh, my God. Judy told her, my daughter's name is Amy. And then she tried comforting the girl. And Amy stood up and she started walking towards Judy, her eyes begging for help. And then she started hearing the men walk into the bathroom. <gasps> Amy frantically looked at Judy. Tears were filling, at, were swelling at her eyes. She started walking forward. She started saying something, but the men got, got to her right then. They grabbed her arms and they started pulling her out as Amy just stared at Judy. Tears. What the fuck? eyes begging for help. <gasps> S'mores! Jesus. Did she knock over the wine? Yeah, on my, on my leg, though. It's fine. Oh, okay. It just scared me because it was just so cold. And then she looked at me like, hey, no, don't walk <laughs> my smart. laptop. Do not. This is a bad moment for you to be here, S'mores. She's like, Anyways, that's why I'm here. <laughs> Judy followed Amy as she was being dragged out. But two other men are waiting right outside the bathroom to block oh my Judy God. from any further. When Judy found her husband, she told him what happened and how strange and sad the situation was. And when they got home, they researched it. And that's when Judy realized that she saw Amy Bradley. <sighs> Without a doubt in her mind, she knew that she saw Amy Bradley. She immediately called in the encounter to the FBI, and she was able to help them come up with a sketch of Amy and the four men. Since that encounter, since 2005, Amy was never seen again. Oh, my God. But the family never stopped searching. In fact, and this might be one of the saddest true crime facts I've ever said, because it's just, ugh, it's just so sad. In fact, her parents still live in the exact same house to this day, worried that if she ever returned, that she wouldn't be able to find them if they moved. (sighs) Oh, God. Because she she disappeared during the 90s. This was before anything. And like, then if she was... This is 25 years ago. Oh, currently... There's a $250,000 reward that's offered by the Bradley family and a $25,000 reward offered by the FBI for any tips or information concerning the case of oh Amy Bradley. This case is still an active and open investigation. Please, 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 listeners, if you guys know anything at all, if you were in Carousel, if you were in any of these places, if your parents were on this ship, who cares? If you literally know anything that could pertain to this case, Please call the FBI. Please get in contact oh with the Bradleys because anything could help because they have been searching for their Amy. She's in her, so she, yeah, so she's in her 50s. Yeah. At this point, the FBI, most people believe that Amy has most likely been killed. Or she's in her late 40s, yeah. Probably since between 2005 and now. Yeah, that but would still, make sense if she got too, yeah. Too old. So any information, uh. though, can help. So if you know anything at all, y'all, please help. And that is the story of Amy Bradley. Oh my fucking god, Jenna! <laughs> I know, I know, girl. Way to way to kick it off season two. Woo! 
with a fucking upper. <laughs> right? You know how I do. That's that's a good one. That's like a crazy good one though. That's Thank I, you. That poor that poor woman. Oh man. Right. Okay, let's go to my segment. Put on our ghost pasties everyone. Okay. Okay, everybody. So now it's time for my my supernatural segment. Yes. So today I'm going to be talking about the classic universal horror monster, Frankenstein's monster. Ooh, ooh. my Frankenstein titties, ooh, piss pasties ooh, are on. Franken pasties. I just thought because since it's like you know Halloween time, I've done the history of Halloween and I've gone over stuff like that. I might revisit that this month or revisit it revisit it in like a, a future episode or like a future year um but for right now i'm just gonna do like uh classic horror monsters for a bit just because yes. you know that's it's fucking halloween it's fucking fun oh yeah yeah ma'am okay so i'm just gonna talk about frankenstein i'm gonna talk about the history of mary shelley talk about her uh getting that book together and then i'll talk a little bit about uh the frankenstein's monster and how it came to be in um 1931 from james whale who directed it so that's how these tie in together so yeah that's who i'm talking about today okay so it might be like a little bit more history like (gasps) intensive versus like supernatural scary intensive but there's like a lot of weird history surrounding mary shelley you know naturally so it's really interesting it's really fun okay and you know what that means we have to put on our History our history slash hersery pasties. Hersery's, yay, our, our pasties. I love our pasties. Put on your history pasties, y'all. <laughs> so just like rip off fun. your ghost pasties really quickly or your true crime pasties really Hang quickly. Them Hang them up. Yep, and then put on your history pasties because here we pasties. go, y'all. We're mm. jumping into fucking Mary Shelley. Okay, so the summer of 1816, in the summer of 1816, a group of friends intended to spend a lovely and relaxing summer in Via Diodati, a Swiss mansion near Lake Geneva. The group included the poet Lord Byron, his personal physician John Polidori, and the poet Percy Bishy. Okay, (laughs) sure, sure. The poet Percy Bishy Shelley. So it's Percy Shelley, who Mary Shelley is going to marry. Um, And then Mary Wollstonecraft Goodwin, who that's Mary Shelley. (laughs) And then Mary's stepsister, Claire Claremont. (laughs) I did not make that last one up. These are the most (laughs) wild names. Like if you just, you could just make up any name and I would almost never think of these combos. Yeah. I could be like Joseph Sternmont Golwith the Third. You'd be like, yes. Yeah. Von Duke. And I'm like, yeah. sure. <laughs> sure. Whatever. Agreed. So yeah, those peeps. Little did anyone know that this relatively dreary, cold, and rainy summer would turn out to be the most important summer for modern horror. Ooh. Yeah, bitch. Okay. Yes, today and gays. <laughs> yes, today I'm talking about the origins of Frankenstein. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get to it. Okay. So Mary, daughter of political and philosophical activists, both her mother and her father, met Percy Shelley, a mediocre romantic poet at the time, who became known like later on after his death. And nowadays he's revered as like a a significant poet of his time. Um, Man, what a bummer. You're like alive, this great poet, like no one. Yeah, oh my God. That's like like, Edgar Allan Poe too. Edgar Allan Poe like died drunk and like totally... Uh, penniless and that's such yeah, a bummer so sad so they met in britain in 1812 mary was in her mid-teens and shelley uh, percy shelley was was a married man and a father of two children around the age of 21 Ooh, drama yeah man 
the uh, Percy actually had gone to mentor with her father. Um, the two fell in love, and in 1814, facing opposition to their relationship from Mary's father, the cu- the couple eloped to Europe from the UK. So they co- they crossed the channel, went to Europe, and and then just like we're like cool, we're basically together, even though you have a wife and two kids, whatever. Damn. Um, yeah. So from the time of 1814 to 1816, Mary and Percy would travel all over Central and Northwest Europe, periodically returning to England for money uh, because basically this whole time that I'm talking that like Percy's alive, he basically has just like debt and is like getting money from like estranged relatives that die and he just gets money from them. Then he's okay. And then he's not blah, 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 blah. And it's like a super stressor for his entire life because he's like trying to live the, the lifestyle of the rich and famous, but like only sometimes has that money. And then like, has two wives in a different family and <laughs> yeah. like kids. No, like seriously. A total piece of shit. No, he's a total piece of shit. <laughs> so, um it, he would like literally be so stressed multiple times that like the entire time all the websites I was looking at, it was like, oh, Percy Shelley broke down and had a mental like delusional state because he was so stressed about money and people that he More. owed money to. Yeah. Just Jesus. like he's a fucking mess. He's a fucking mess. Yeah, and somehow he landed two wives. What yeah, Jesus Christ. And I'm like fucking single, Jesus Christ. Okay. Right? Um, so during this time, in 1815 specifically, Mary gave birth to a premature baby who died 10 days after her birth. Oh. Uh, and then later in January of 1816, maybe Mary gave birth to a baby boy. Um, as fate would have it, that summer proved to be rainy and dreary. And I'm talking about the 1816 summer where Frankenstein was written. Um, so just like to, to recap that really quickly in at the, near the end of 1815, she has a, a premature baby who dies 10 days later. And then at the beginning of 1816, she has a baby boy who survives at, in January. So, uh, the summer that summer of 1816 proved to be a rainy, rainy and dreary. As in 1815, there was a ru- an eruption of Mount Tambora in modern day Indonesia that released such vast amounts of ash, rock, and sulfuric dust into the air that it dramatically lowered temperatures across the entire the entire world for the following Holy year. Holy shit! Yeah, that's so that's crazy. why it like created this really dark relatively dark rainy cold summer for everybody in 1816 uh, in the northern hemisphere yeah oh my god my hell summer (laughs) um so this actually caused summer frosts in north america red snow in italy which is also called watermelon snow which is basically red algae or green green algae that has a red pigment to it um that is in the snow and it caused eight weeks of nonstop rain in ireland Whoa, that's crazy. Yeah, isn't that cool? That's kind of cool. Um, okay. Damn, so, that's wild, though. Like, could you imagine if that happened right now? How fucking insane that would be to oh, like, we live would through all... such a crazy summer like that? Yeah, that'd be like, like yeah, that'd be crazy. I'd be like, fuck you, Republicans. <laughs> yeah. Fucking 2022 is like, get ready, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> It's like dun 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 Let's get ready to rumble. <laughs> Oh my god! Did you see the new Space Jam? <laughs> no, of course I did not. I watched like you? ten minutes, and I was like, "This is the dumbest shit ever," and turned it off. I'm like, I'm like actually surprised that you did, but also not yeah. that surprised. It was free on HBO Max, so ah, yeah. Uh, yeah. 
Okay, so to uh, this left the group to be stuck inside because they're in Switzerland. They're like, hell yeah, we're going to be on the lake. We're going to be on like a, a mansion by the lake. We're going to have super fun. It's going to be super fun summertime. And then like the worst Corey thing ever happens and it's raining all the time. Like, <laughs> fuck your chicken strips. Fuck your chicken strips. <laughs> so most of the time they're like, hey, we need to pass this time indoors. The party held a lot of discussions about certain ty- certain like our current scientific theories about a lot of po- they did. They read a lot of like political dissertation things and stuff going on. What a summer. S- specifically <laughs> relevant to, um, you know, Frankenstein. Um, they read a lot of this person by the name of Luigi Galvani. Um, Louis, he- like Mario's brother? <laughs> It's yeah. fucking gay ass Luigi just like doing shit. Yeah, just like constantly slipping around because Luigi's like the fucking worst. <laughs> Y'all, he's fucking, always slipping. Yeah, he's a fuck boy. I fucking love Luigi. Um, yeah. So he basically, Luigi Galvani is this scientist who pr- published these papers where he observed how an electric current made the legs of a dead frog twitch. Ooh. Um, the group speculated on the possibility of bringing dead matter back to life and using electrical impulses because of this. Um, at the same time, there is another person who actually used this on an actual cadaver Ooh. in London um, in 1803. And they actually got the legs of this criminal, uh, this dead criminal to twitch after they put through some like electrical stuff through it. So maybe That's that cool. came up. At least that was known in the zeitgeist. It was like in the, in the air and people knew about it. Um, That's cool. Yeah, isn't that crazy? That's kind of weird. It, it, actually, the official report is that the jaws of the deceased criminal began to quiver and the adjoining muscles were horribly contorted and one eye even opened. Whoa! That's fucking sub- rad. In a subsequent part of the process, the right hand was raised and <gasps> then clenched and then the legs and thighs were put set, quote, set into motion. That's kind of weird. Holy shit! That's actually kind of weird. Yeah. That's very Frankenstein. Yeah, that's very Frankenstein. That's crazy. Um, quickly, ew. Uh, ew, ew, ew. That's horrifying. Um, really think about what that means? That's horrifying. That, that'd oh be kind of weird, God. especially in like 1806, to just watch some guy put some electricity through a dead body and watch yeah, it like move. You, like you barely have electricity at this point, like, and like people are doing this shit already. Picture like a shaky hand raising and then the fingers curling into oh. clench. Absolutely not. Yeah, choke I would be me, like, choke me, daddy. No way. I would be like, this is why humans should not ever discover anything because we ruin it immediately. We, we immediately use it for either sex or evil things. Oh, yeah, like we discover electricity. What are we gonna do? We're gonna raise the dead. <laughs> like, and then you know what? Let's just do some fucking crazy dildos. Why not? Yeah, <laughs> like, like, okay, fucking choke me with that fucking dead criminal hand. Yeah. Then you have Corey. Who wants this? Who's suddenly a necrophiliac? I'm the but creep is it necrophilia? <gasps> That's the question. Ooh. If you bring a dead person back to life and have sex with them, is that necrophilia? Because well, you're would... not. Yeah, you're not reanim. You're not like bringing them back to life. You're just using electric currents to, you know, to move re- it. So it would still be. It'd be necrophilia. necrophilia. Yeah, that'd be necrophilia. So Necro necro electrophilia. Ooh, Ooh, I'm gonna put that in my fucking Tinder bio. Yeah, man. I'm into necro electrophilia. <laughs> Yikes. Damn. I'm Damn. Like really into necro electrophilia. Yeah. <laughs> you might be discatting, but wait, I'm like wait. really would it be necro electrophilia or would it be electro necrophilia? 
Electro necro roll off the tongue better. Yeah, I think it'd be electro necrophilia. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like a Pokemon. Yeah, yeah, oh my god, it's literally a Pokemon. (laughs) Yeah, so we just discovered why Pokemon was made was because of electro necro. Because a horny Japanese man. Uh huh. (laughs) That are really into Frankenstein, like really into Frankenstein. Um, so after all this scientific talk, Lord Byron took the group in a different direction, and they all read gross stories from the book Phantasmagoriana. Oh, <laughs> the porn. The, <laughs> um, the, the second book of Pokemon. Um, yeah. Basically, it's a, a French anthology of German ghost stories that were translated in 1812. Oh, wait. Hold okay. on. Simone's about to jump. Simone. Huh? Simone, I'm keeping She's on like, stopping I'm her. She's like, fuck up your podcast. Yeah, did you hear that? There she goes. I saw, I heard her, yeah. Yeah, she's trying to find out how to get to the top of the blanket fort. Simone. Oh, Simone. Simone, she you're so precious. Cur- you know when you. she gets her, like, crazy Christmas tree eyes? She <laughs> yes. has them right now. She's like, I'm going to do everything. Yeah, she has, like, the Simone. She, like, took Simone Coke in the other room. She's she like, saw no Chris. one can talk me. Yeah, like she is just fucking on Christmas spirit right now, even though it's Halloween. She's anti-Halloween. It's October 7th. No, She's into Christmas. Simone. I know. Um, oh, so yeah, her. they're reading this ghost story book, and then Laura Byron proposed that they all have a competition to see who could come up with the best ghost story. Ooh. So we, we've all heard this, of course. Um, in cool. the end, uh, Mary won the contest with the short story that would later become Frankenstein or the, per- the Modern Prometheus. That's the official title of her book. It is Frankenstein or the Modern Prometheus. Neither Byron nor Percy, her husband, finished a ghost story. Although, or, or I guess not husband yet. Although Polidori. <laughs> oh my God. These names. These fucking wrote names. Wrote The Vampire, which later influenced Bram Stoker to write Dracula. Whoa, what a crazy productive writing night. Yeah. There's also another book, um, which is like Carmela or something, which is a uh, about a lesbian vampire, which was <gasps> the first vampiric book. Um, I forget. I need to, I, I, I'm a bad gay, and I should remember exactly what that's called. That but, should be your faggot fact next yeah, week. Yeah, that should be my – I'll go – okay, I'll do that faggot fact next week. Um, so the vampire, along with it's like it's like a vampire book that ha- like the lead character is a woman vampire called Carmela or Carmila something like that. Oh, there's a watch. Carmella it's just like a, a completely different name. <laughs> isn't there a Carmela in the animated yes, Castlevania? I think so. Yeah. yeah, so that might be why I might be crossing those those streams. I don't know. I, I forget. But it is a lesbian vampire book, um, and that is the first vampiric book. Um, so yeah, so that influenced Bram Stoker to write Dracula, at least partially Vampire did, the Vampire did. So that's why this hit this summer is super important to modern horror because you have Frankenstein and the influence to Bram Stoker's Dracula being written. So hell yeah. Go, hell yeah. go summer of 1816. For reals. What did you do in 1816, y'all? Right. Not that. <laughs> yeah. Not fucking Not that. Not fucking that. You didn't fucking start off fucking modern horror so yeah you, you fucking you fucking stupid lost. bitches yeah you fucking lazy you ass cunts homophobic <laughs> cunts you did not start modern horror so um let's go on to castle frankenstein yes so did y'all know that castle frankenstein is like a real castle <gasps> that we can go sleep in bitch yeah right no you literally can go visit it's a restaurant Thank you, airbnb <laughs> yes. it's a restaurant it's a fucking restaurant there may it might be like a, a real place you can stay at too i think you might be able to i'm not super sure i looked up though that it is a restaurant that you can go to that well, holds Corey, events 
Yeah, bitch. You can do anything with money. You can do so. anything in this world with money. So we might as well make a lot of money, and then we can go stay at the Frankenstein place. Yeah, bitch. So over at the Frankenstein, Frankenstein place, there's a the lie. Yeah, bitch. I fucking yeah. miss that movie. Mm. Um, it's it's only been a year. I'm like, I miss that movie. Uh, I watch it like once a month, so I'm like, it's been a good day. Um, so some historians believe that the Shelleys visited the actual crest castle Frankenstein on their journey up the Rhine river in 1814, not actually 1816. Mm. Um, so the castle sits on, so two years before this, the castle sits on a hilltop in the Alden Odenwald mountain range overlooking the city of Durmstadt in central, in central Southwestern Germany. So if you took central Germany, you like, cut it out into a circle and then you took the southwestern part of that center center circle that's where it, it basically Dermstadt is okay it's right below frankfurt get it you know is the castle still there yes it's still there yeah Ooh. oh well, yeah so, it's a restaurant Duh. yeah so while there she must have learned about an ancient alchemist named joan conrad dippel who used to live in the castle oh my this God, is he's real fucking names he's, he's real fucking names. yeah <laughs> johan conrad dippel <laughs> you're making these names up this is a no. <laughs> fully fake story like you just wrote this <laughs> like mary shelley's the only real one <laughs> yeah every other person you're like dippel no lord byron's a real poet and so is her, her husband <laughs> yeah. um but Dip- no you can look up dippel's a real dude okay so um he, he was trying to create an elixir called Dipple's Oil, which would legendarily make people live for over 100 years. So sort of like the Nicholas Fulmel, like the Sorcerer's Stone. Oh, yeah. The Philosopher's Stone. Some like alchemaic shit. Okay. So he did, however, create a real oil called Dipple's Oil that is a byproduct of animal oil made from the distillation of bones. It's basically this dark, viscous, like tar-like oh. ichor liquid. <gasps> ichor. Dark ichor. Lord. Black Icker. Black Icker. Um, and it was basically used as animal and insect repellent and was even used in World War II as chemical war- warfare. Holy they would, shit. They would, they would pour the oil into wells and make it undrinkable. And actually, sort of fun fact, after mustard gas and chlorine gas were used in World War One, they had the Geneva Convention and they were like, yeah, no, we're not doing, you know, chemical warfare anymore like that's ill that is like a billion percent illegal in humankind um this however isn't as corrosive or destructive enough so it kind of slips in and is not covered by the jiva convention fun fact that's crazy yeah it's called dipples oil yeah dipple nipple Dipple nipples. Yeah, Dipple just like squeezes his nipples and this black ichor just comes out. Yeah. It's fun. It's, yeah. it's Dipple's, uh, yeah, Elac takes black ichor. <laughs> so, um, but this guy, this guy literally lived in, he didn't own the castle, but he lived in it. He even y- tried to sell the patent for Dipple's oil to buy the castle and live in it. So, also some fun other legends that go on with the castle. I could have made a whole episode about this, but really quickly... There are some legends that uh, that locals even still claim to this day that Dipple dug up bodies and performed medical experiments on Ooh. them at the castle, and that the and that a local cleric even warned his parish that Dipple had created a monster that was brought to life by a bolt <gasps> of lightning. Oh shit! And oh. and Mary Shelley, like historians, have proved that Mary Shelley would have heard these legends. Shit! When that's she visited fucking... before, yeah, that's so cool. 
Isn't that so cool? That's also, so cool. at the time and even today, there's legends that there's a there's a legend of Lord George and the Dragon. <laughs> I didn't make this shit up, y'all. I didn't. Yes, you did. <laughs> yes, you did. Now you you literally wrote yourself into the story. I George just wrote and the Dragon. Into this show. George, George, George of the Dragon. Dragon. Okay, so it's is it, it? I didn't. I just literally wrote down the note Lord George and the Dragon because it's a classic dragon's tale. There's locals that live near the castle, and they're like a cat. A, a fucking dragon lives in Castle Frankenstein. And they're like, oh, and this is like in the 1200s, the legend supposedly happened. Lord George comes by. He's a knight. They're like, dude, our people are being killed by this dragon. He goes and fights with the dragon all day. And then at the uh, same time that Lord George, uh, Lord, what did I say? Yeah, Lord George. Yeah. Lord George. Lord, Lord, did I say Lord George? <laughs> yeah. Lord George. Lord George. Lord George. But his name is Lord George. So Lord George, at the same time, after hours of battling this dragon, he shoves the the sword into mm. the dragon's. Oh yeah, fucking yeah, Ooh. pussy. And yeah, at the same it. time that Lord George shoves his shoves his sword Ooh. into the dragon's pussy, the mm. spine on the on the dragon's tail goes up fucking Lord George's ass and hits his G spot, and they both fucking die Lord at the George. same time. <laughs> I'm laughing, but there's it a really legit. Is you. You literally to this day, in oh my god! If I was Lord George, that would be. I just pull off my fucking MI mask, and I'm yeah. like Lord George. <laughs> You're Lord George. Um. So there's literally to this day, there is a um in a in a valley a little bit east of Castle Frankenstein that you can literally go visit and and eat in. There is a <laughs> valley with a statue to Lord George that you can go visit. It better look like you. I'm so. I know. Oh my. Oh my god. If it fucking looks like me, like I'm gonna go look for magic in the world. Yeah. Yeah. I will join you. (laughs) I'm looking for fairies and magic for the rest of my life. (laughs) Now we gotta look at that Lord George statue. Yeah, man. So also, there's a legend that there's a fountain of youth, um, inside of uh Castle Frankenstein, and the legend has it that on the first full moon of the night after Walpurgis night. Old, which is like in May or the beginning of May and the end of April, uh, old women from the nearby villages had to undergo tests of courage. And the one who succeeded became rejuvenated to the age she had been on the night of her wedding. Isn't that so cute? That's oh, so that's beautiful. Cute. So yeah, all of those are basically just like little legends. I, I looked some of them up and we just sort of did two, like some of them have different dates and stuff. So take it or leave it if you want, but it's more fun. Oh. They're real. They are real. They're all real. Right. <laughs> They'll always be real. In our um, so at the end of this summer, relations between Byron and Shelley's party became kind of strained because Byron, who was kind of having sex with Claire. Oh, shit. Claire Claire, And Claire was pregnant with his child. Oh, drama. Yeah. With Byron, Lord Byron's child. And they kind of like just kind of parted and left in late August. When they did this, uh, at this at the time, like Lord Byron was like, "Cool, I'm not taking care of the child." And <sighs> Percy and Mary man. were like, "Okay, well, we will when when Claire when you have this child." So in October 10th, just like to add some more interesting stuff, Mary's half sister was found dead in a room along with a suicide note um, and a laudanum bottle. I looked up what a laudanum bottle was because I heard I've heard it a lot, but it, it ends up being it's like a mix of codeine and morphine in the same concoction. Damn. <laughs> Cause, Damn. Because we thought we were partying, but we were yeah, obviously well, not. Well, we were obviously fucking not. Yeah, Jesus. Jesus. So then on the 10th of December, Percy Shelley's 
wife, you know, his real first wife, Harriet, was discovered drowned in the Serpentine Lake in Hyde Park, London. Damn. Um, and it was also a suicide. They were both hushed up by all families involved. And basically what happens after this is Percy takes in his other two children. Y'all, at this time, Percy's like 25. Oh and he my- already has four children. One has died prematurely. He has a um, a partner who who is Mary Shelley and then has an has a wife who has now died because she killed her or who has killed herself out of grief of what has happened because Percy left her and just went all over Europe with with Mary Shelley. Holy shit. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So, um he takes in the two children. Now it's the three children. I think there's another child that uh, Mary has during this time as well. Um, he eventually just gets even more and more and more and more and more unstable as months go by with worrying about money, owing debts to people, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so he is actually deemed by um, society and officials that he is not mentally stable enough to take those two children that were Harriet's uh, children. So his, his, you know, ex-wife, I guess you could say, um, uh, so they get taken in and sent to just clergymen's uh, families, and they live there because they're taken oh, by the state. Yeah, there's so much tragedy. Yeah, so much tragedy people. surrounding the like, yeah, surrounding Mary writing this book. So as we know, when um, as a, a lot of people know, like in, in 1960 when she wrote that story, she sort of wrote a short, abridged version of the story, and then throughout this time, she is writing and adding more to it and making it more of a book that she's going to release. So yeah, she expands the story during all the all these crazy times, and then finally, uh, the novel is published anonymously in 1818. Um, her name then appeared on the second edition in 1823. Ooh. And then in 1831, she republished the work, changing some of its more intense passages, added a preface containing a tribute to to her late husband, Percy, who had died as he drowned in 1822. So I'll sort of backtrack to his story. Basically, he kind of goes a little intense, kind of loses it, goes on a vow of silence, comes back from that, publishes some works, then goes off with some dude on a boat that he buys Okay. And then just like is found at sea 10 days, found like washed up dead ashore 10 days later. No joke. Whoa. Like not even joking. Literally he like, so he comes back 1818. They publish the book. He then leaves, um, goes on that vow, comes back, publishes some more shit. She's taking care of, of the children. Then he leaves again with some dude, goes off on some expedition in 1822 and then is found 10 days later as his dead bloated body washes up ashore <laughs> lord that's <laughs> what you get for being gay Corey. because you go right. off with the man on a boat and you're right. gonna end up on shore oh my god the dream yeah <laughs> <laughs> what's next foreskin shots that probably oh my god before. no yeah I died of foreskin shots yeah died from like shoving <laughs> a, a foreskinned penis down your throat hell yeah that's the goal that's the way to go <laughs> yeah that's the fucking way to go <laughs> so yeah, so to to focus a little bit more on the, uh, her child's death, her premature child's death, that actually attributed a lot to stuff that she wrote in Frankenstein or in, in the, the a modern Prometheus in that book. So soon after the baby died, there is a passage from her journal that goes, 
uh, that she wrote, and this is like verbatim, dreamed that my little baby came to life again, that it had only been cold and that we rubbed it by the fire and it lived. Mm. I awake and find no baby. I think about the little thing all day. Oh my God, that's heartbreaking. Later, she would also recall in her journey, in her in her journal, that she had a dream or a vision close to one of these other nights. And this is the quote: "It says I saw the pale student of unhallowed arts kneeling beside me, the thing he had put together. I saw the hideous phantasm of a man stretched out, and then, on the working of some powerful engine, show signs of life and stir with an uneasy, half vital motion." So you can see that, like, during this time, like, uh, because her baby died before she went on on the summer, went to do that summer with Lord Byron, where she actually wrote Modern Prometheus. You can see that there's, like, all this death happening before, during, and after this summer. They are, there's talks of, um, quote-unquote, scientists using electricity to reanimate the dead and dead bodies. Yeah. And there's just all this stuff going around. She visits Castle Frankenstein, hears about the all the different legends surrounding that place and the elixir of life of like with Dipple's, you know, Damn. Von Dipple, whatever his name was. <laughs> Johann and Von Dipple or whatever. You're like Dipple Nipple. <laughs> Dipple Nipple. Some fake ass name that Corey wrote. Some shit. Yeah, some fake ass name I came up with that I forgot. <laughs> yeah. Um so yeah, so since its first publication, the book has never been out of print. Uh literally. Stage productions of the story followed as early as 1822, so four years later, to which various silent film adaptations were produced as early as 1910 by Thomas Edison himself. We actually didn't know that until 2017 when somebody found an old-ass silent copy of it, and we, like, literally after 100 years found a copy of that. <laughs> we thought it just didn't exist. It's kind of cool. That's crazy. That's um, cool. Since 1910, Frankenstein's monster has appeared in over 70 films in dates ranging from 1910 to 2019. His most iconic version is a portrayal by Boris Karloff in the 1931 film that was directed by James Whale. Oh, he's also that's in the, the 1935 sequel, A Bride of Frankenstein, which James Whale also directed. Then he's in the 1939 sequel, Son of Frankenstein. Um, which James Will did not direct. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> um, so let's go a little bit. Let's just end off talking about Frankenstein's monster. As detected by Shelley, the monster is a sensitive, emotional creature whose only aim... So in the book, it's a sensitive, emotional creature whose only aim is to share his life with another sentient being like himself. Mm. He sends. He spends most of the book wandering the world looking for someone who will, will accept him. He even realizes that he cannot stand the sight of himself. Contrary to many versions, the creature in the novel is very articulate and eloquent. Um, Almost immediately after his creation, he dresses himself and within 11 months can speak and read German and French. By the end of the novel, he can also speak English fluently. Damn. Um, However... In nineteen in the in Franken in the nineteen thirty one Frankenstein movie, the monster is depicted as mute and and bestial. It is implied that this is because he is accidentally implanted with a criminal's abnormal brain that you see in the movie, but it's not in the book. In the Bride of Frankenstein, the monster does learn to speak, um, but it's a little bit more like stunted, short sentences and stuff like that. Yeah. However, in the in the Bride of Frankenstein, I would add that it does bring in the aspect that Frankenstein is looking for a sense of belonging in the world, 
and really has like a heart and is really trying to connect with human beings around him. You can really see mm. that. I mean, you can see that in, in the early Frank in, in the 1931 Frankenstein where he's interacting with the, with the little girl as they throw flower petals into the lake. Oh, he oh. then, he just, it doesn't understand. So he picks up the girl and throws the girl into the lake and she drowns. So it's just him, him just not understanding. And you can see that more in the bride of Frankenstein. Boris Karloff and then a guy by the name of Pierce worked together three hours a day um, for three weeks to create the prototype of the monster's appearance. And together with the boots, which weighed 13 pounds each, Karloff's wow. co- costume totaled 48 pounds. Oh. And it took three and a half hours to apply and two hours to remove every day of shooting. Oh, must be so claustrophobic and all of that. <laughs> to this, oh. To this day the image like that the imagery of the boris karloff frankenstein remains a specific property of universal pictures damn that's that's a cool fact that's a cool trivia fact so yeah there you go that is the that's like the kind of abbreviated abridged history of frankenstein's monster oh i fuck i feel so in the halloween spirit now yeah man that's super fun so anyways Corey, how's your sex life yeah bitch my sex life is great Nothing like too crazy, just like regular doing hookups. Nice. Not doing hookups sometimes too. There's like nothing super special. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm trying I had to think if I had like any like specific sexcapades in the past like bit. Not really. Nah. Nothing crazy. Yeah. Yeah. You? I had a hot girl summer. Hot girl summer. Yay. That was fun. And uh, yeah. Oh, it feels yeah, so good to be back. Yeah, it's so good to be back. Sorry that we were gone. We're back, I'll have more bitches. to talk about next time, but we already talked a lot in the beginning, so I just don't want to talk too much now. So I and guess it... on that note then. Oh my God, yes. Anyways. <laughs> How's your sex life? <laughs> Even after 84 episodes, it's still awkward. Girl, whoever, whoever fucking texted us that message, I, I, think I love about it every you. time. I love you. I fucking love you. Thank and I you hate for you. your constructive criticism that we did not take into note. Not even a little bit. <laughs> 84 episodes in and we're still doing it. Yeah, man. Anyways, everyone, have a wonderful week. Happy Halloween, and we'll see you next week. Bye.